Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April the 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, the second biggest curmudgeon I know. Caffeine Rage. I'm not sure if I should feel um, slighted or take that as a challenge. I feel conflicted. (laughs) On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. Loot boxes. Drops come in, drops come out. Can't explain it. Big Fish Casino video game constitutes illegal online ga- gambling, a federal appeals court rules. Valve removes its Steam machines from the Steam storefront. Fairy goes pay to play. Fortnite removes 30 FPS mode from consoles. We're going to have our weekly community quarter with an audio letter from Kyle and our Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. I say as if we haven't been talking for nearly an hour, <laughs> despite the fact that we got a slightly late start. Well, uh, hopefully we don't have an... Well, I don't think we have a cutoff day, uh, time tonight, so we should be okay. No, Katie's, Katie's sick, so... Well, sick-ish. She's got a doctor's note, so she's not working for a few days. Which so, is good. So she has an excuse. Yeah, she has an excuse. Uh, Unlike us, because there is no excuse for us. Also, happy Easter to people who celebrate the holiday of Easter, which was over the weekend. Uh, Happy day weekend to people who don't. So there, I'm all inclusive. How modern of you? How current year of you? (laughs) How current? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What what year is it? So I've... um, been looking for a a backup solution to create some additional hard copy backups of things like family photos and movies because you know I I, I have a family and the cheapest oh, how, and easiest how how, uh, how dare you rub that in your in my face I know I know and the cheapest and easiest solution is to just use a big old stack of DVDs I've had sitting around for years I've got like thirty of them here um. And even if DVDs become an irrelevant storage medium in the next five years or so, that's be, when I was... There'll still be drives around. Yeah, I mean, there'll still be plenty like, of uh, drives. drives and... are going <laughs> to disappear off the market. Yeah, and I do intend to uh, to update my backups every five or so years anyway. So but... do you have something off-site as well? Uh, not right now, but I'm going to get a... Uh, safety deposit yeah, box. Yeah, I was about to bank. say, uh, get a deposit box or something to back up stuff to. And then uh, I'm probably gonna make another copy and like send it to my parents' house or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I've got all the DVDs. Why the hell not? But uh, yeah, I've sp- I spent the last well, not the last couple of days, but some time over the last couple of days burning DVDs. And I posted a tweet yesterday. It was like I spent. The last hour burning stuff to disc. What year is it? It's the current year. Because I haven't used a disc for anything in forever. I think two or three years ago, I put a copy of Windows 7 on a disc. Because there was a PC I was trying to put Windows on. And for some reason, it wasn't booting off of the USB or booting off the flash drive. I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to put this on a disc. Yeah, I think the last time I did was last year, just to, I was cleaning out uh, my 
anime download folder and was uh, uh there was a few shows that I wanted to keep so I split them into a couple of DVDs. Yeah. Which you know that's not exactly an ideal solution because video files are pretty damn big uh, to begin with. Green I, I typically only watch 720p unless it's yeah. a, a show that is just fucking beautiful. But typically uh there, there's not that big a difference on um, the majority of anime to warrant the size differential. So yeah. I just go 720p for you know a quick download and uh, watch it like that. Yeah, uh, but that was about that's the, really been the only time because most of uh, the stuff we get these days is all digital and that actually t- uh, turns to be a problem at times because, well, uh, we don't have this on the docket, but uh, one of the game club games that we have on the uh, potential docket got removed from Steam. Yeah, weren't there a couple that did? Or was uh, it just it one? was a couple in the series, uh, the uh, Call of War S series. Right, right. And one of them was digital only. Yeah. So that's pretty much just leaving it to the pirates now. Yeah. And we don't really know why they uh, pulled it, but yeah, not having hard copies is going to be a problem in gaming in the future. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before. I think all digital has more pros than cons, but nothing is ever perfect. So, yeah. But at least with this, you know, family photos and videos, I don't have to worry about. Anything yeah, maybe weird, a, like I've got maybe a secondary uh, solution. Not uh, don't stop doing the DVDs, but have it as a, you know a secondary copy. But yeah, a, well, just, that's the but idea. just a fucking massive hard drive. And if you're not accessing it, a hard drive, should last a while. Yeah, I have I've an external got... hard drive. Uh, back it up there, and uh, put that in the safety deposit box as well. Uh, occasionally. Yeah, I've got a, a two terabyte external drive that's not really getting used for anything that I want to do some other stuff with it, so that's why I went for the disk solution instead of just copying everything to the hard drive. But I, I do have two other external hard drives, but they get used constantly. Uh, well, at least one of them does. I've got eight terabytes of hard drives sitting here just to my right. E- external hard drives. They get used for all kinds of stuff. One of them is just full of movies that I've ripped and I, about half of that's porn. I've ripped our entire DVD collection and Blu-ray collection, and then my parents' entire DVD and Blu-ray collection. And then every once in a while, I'll go to the library and get a few movies and rip those. And, you know, you do that enough times, and suddenly you've got three terabytes of ripped movies. And you're and also like, on the do not rent list on the library. <laughs> no, they don't mind. I always bring it back on time. They're always like, did you enjoy your movies? Oh, yeah. Abso- we, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we had a family yeah, movie that, night. Yeah, I love that movie with the person doing the thing. Yep, had a family movie night. It was great. Yeah, my local library system sucks. But that may be a consequence of just how the state is made here because... Oh, okay, quick question. How many counties are in your sta- state? This is something I haven't really looked into actually a lot i think there's 96 96 counties is my guess and mine but the population of my state is a lot lower 
95 counties. Damn, I was close. Yeah, but see, you have several major cities. Yeah, Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville. Yeah, the uh, most populated the, the county here would be Kanawha, which I would guess would be about probably 90,000 uh, population, and that's being probably generous. So there's not a lot of people in the local library system, and I'm not in Kanawha County, so that's even worse. So uh, the library system is getting a very small portion of a very small budget, so they don't have a lot of money behind them to get books. And it's West Virginia, so yeah. Yeah, I've got six points, or there are seven point, sorry, 6.72 million people living in Tennessee. How many people are living in West Virginia? 1.82 million. With a sim- with a comparable number of counties. I mean, it's not that far off uh, 95-55 or 96-55 when you're looking at population numbers like that. Yeah. Well, welcome to the uh, census portion of the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so what do you think about them putting uh, the citizenship question on the census? Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not head down that rabbit hole. We're going to be talking specifically about some politics later anyway, so. Oh, boy. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I've made several dollars, though, on MTurk in the last week answering political surveys, though, so that's nice. Uh, Like uh, three bucks. Oh, so you've been following my footsteps. Yeah, that was a great thing. Great idea. Most of them are pretty short. Yeah, yeah, it's actually a fairly way to get a few bucks. Uh, and plus, you uh, get to, uh, you know, say just how much you hate Trump and get paid for it. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot, but, you know, I say it for free all the time, so. um, Free, free to play. I played some free games this week on my phone. Did you play any games this week? <laughs> and if so, what are they? Wow, you really suck at transitions. Yeah, I did it that bad on purpose. We've been talking about really. I couldn't tell games for 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 several minutes. So let's talk about the games we played this week, Rach. Okay, well, I played several games this week, and let's start off with something that would have been a lot more appropriate for me to talk about last week, but I didn't have the review code yet. Make sale, which sounds like a very bad Google Translate uh, a, a job on a title, doesn't it? <laughs> Yes, it does. Okay, well, this is a... uh, What is the proper term for somewhere between a sim and an arcade? A simcade uh, title? I guess. Uh, Yeah, that works. Okay. Essentially, this is an open-world exploration game making sailboats and sailing around with a Kerbal-like building system on top of it. Okay. Sounds all right. Yeah, it's a little jank right now. Uh, well, the world doesn't have a lot to do in it yet. It's just released into early access last week. This week, uh, last week, it released into early access last Friday, and I didn't get code for it till after podcast time. Uh, you wake up in the middle of this just maelstrom, and it talks about uh, the charms that uh, prevent the world from getting blown away or whatever have been stolen you need to go recover them 
And uh, you have to build a sailboat and sail around to various islands and recover the charms and bring them back to the central island to essentially push back this just fucking massive storm. It's a bit tedious. There's not a lot to do in the game yet. But the sailing mechanics are actually pretty solid in this. It, I would say it probably beats Sea of Thieves in its sailing mechanics. For one, uh, the wind system actually works. There's no sailing into the wind without the proper sails at all. And it does uh, support uh, tacking into the wind with a triangular sail, which you can see on the uh, screenshots there. Yeah. And it's actually pretty impressive, and it also uh, simulates drag properly. So if you build a boat that is uh, really wide or has a lot of things jutting off of it, it will slow you down. Granted, there's not a reason uh, to worry about that just yet. The developer has been talking about putting things like sharks in the game and uh, uh, proper obstacles. But for the time being, it's not that important. You just uh, sail around and do your own thing, which is not a bad thing. I, I did mention that the building system was a little jank. Let me uh, elaborate on that a little bit. This uses the Kerbal... Uh, system where everything is in modules, you know, little chunks of the boat that you snap together like Legos. I'm not sure if there's a, a better way to describe that than that, but uh, what the hell. And every piece has nodes on it, just like how Kerbal has it, where, uh, you know, how they snap together properly. Yeah. Well, some parts only have one or two nodes on each face. So, like the boat hulls, you could only really snap together one way. And they'll have uh, attachment nodes on the side to be able to snap them together that way. On smaller pieces like masts or uh, uh, the logs that you could use as outriggers or to hold up other things. Uh, the nodes on them are so close together that it's very, very difficult in the current build to be able to say which node you're going to get until you attach. <clears throat> So you end up getting a lot of trial and error and you get a lot of things not going to snap together just right because everything is so tight together, particularly on mass logs, that sort of thing, that it kind of uh, does almost Z-fighting-ish where it's quickly going to be between two or three nodes, which is a little frustrating, especially because it simulates drag properly, so... If that is underwater, it's going to create even more drag. Uh, and there's not a, like I said, a lot to do in this game. You pretty much sail around, you go to an island, or you sail past an island and see if there's anything to pick up on the island. If there isn't, you continue sailing, and it's a, you're in this giant uh, hurricane, essentially, with layers. It's, it's an onion cane. Okay. So as you collect this oh, the chimes and return them to the central island uh it pushes back the hurricane in a layer so uh the first chimes are right near the central island so you sail out and because of the wind you're pretty much just going around in a circle unless you're lucky enough to get a triangular sail i wasn't able to find one it may just be the fact that this is a semi-procedurally generated world all the islands are handcrafted and the uh, loot nodes on them are, are placed by hand, but then it's randomized. Yeah, the, uh, essentially a very of the chug-based procedural generation. 
And I didn't get lucky enough to find a triangular sail. It may just have been on an island that I didn't see because of how the things are set up. But you uh, sail out, uh, hit the chimes, you go back to the middle, and you turn them in, and it pushes back uh, the uh, winds, and then you sail out again. And it's a satisfying loop, but this is a podcast game, at least right now. There's not a lot of really what you consider a survival element to it. Even though the game does bill itself as, you know, survive an ocean of storms and beasts. Well, so far, the only beasts in the game are these, uh, like, floating blimpfish that you can actually uh, hook onto with a uh, tether and have them drag you around. <laughs> and, there, cool. and there's jellyfish that you could uh, z- uh, have uh, zap your ship to actually get energy. There is a way to propel your ship without uh, sails. The, there's uh, jets and propellers, but they use an energy source that is limited. And you could get a energy vacuum that you could put on your ship to uh, essentially suck energy from a jellyfish. It's pretty much, it's not a primary propulsion source. It's more, okay, I'm nearly there. I just need to push myself a little bit further. I'll drop my sails and use the propeller to uh, coast in. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, assuming, of course, you don't have the proper sails because, like I said, it's all about ship design. And I, I could actually see this getting a bit of a following behind it like Kerbal has. Granted, this isn't as out there as Kerbal where it's, uh, well, orbital uh, mechanics. It's not uh, rocket science. It's not rocket surgery. But <laughs> I could definitely see, you know, people that are into sailing get really into this game, particularly just because of the building mechanics. And there's actually a lot of uh, uh, variants that you could do already. You could see a few of them uh, in the uh, uh, screenshots of this game. And uh, you also get blueprints that is essentially a blueprint of a ship design that you could just then... uh, eh, I don't like how it doesn't have uh, sails here and here instead. And your sail placement actually does matter for this as well. Because first time I put the uh, sails slightly too far back on the ship and it caused me not to be able to turn as well. Uh, so it's uh, it's really, uh, it's a lot deeper than it uh, looks right now. But the thing is that there's not a lot to do yet. So it's Sea of Thieves, only cheaper. Nice. Although it sounds like there's more content since you can actually build <laughs> that, and customize a ship. Uh, you can build and customize the ship and there's an actual progression system because uh, as you push back the storm, it unlocks, well, for one, it does, there's two progression chains in this game so far. You have the primary progression chain, which is the chimes, uh, which uh, are pushing back the storm. But you also get a, uh, occasionally you find a item that says, okay, this is a blueprint for this ship. In order to build this ship, you need these parts. And it marks the parts on the map. And sometimes they're in the storm and you don't uh, get to uh, go for them until uh, later. But it gives you a progression and a list of places to go. So I guess it beats Sea of Thieves there, doesn't it? It absolutely does. More content. And this is single player focused and they have said that they are not doing multiplayer, which I don't have a problem with this. I I think, uh, you know, just sailing around uh, the lonesome ocean by yourself uh, could be a very liberating feeling. Yeah, you know, not have to worry about uh, you know twelve-year-old uh, pirates uh, cussing you out. <laughs> yeah, 
<sighs> Anyways, <laughs> overall, I'm I'm impressed with it. It does have performance problems right now. Granted, my system isn't the best, but uh, the recommended specs on this is calling for a quad core i7. So they definitely need to do some optimization. I, uh, that's the primary reason why this wasn't the Sunday sampler was that I wasn't able to get a very high frame rate with this. It was good enough to be able to play, but the recording tax on top of everything just started to dip it down to the point where I didn't want to uh, deal with it. And also, uh, you, your sailor has the probably the worst swimming ability of any sailor in history, including Papa. Uh, he could uh, swim for approximately 15-20 seconds and then he drowns it's not a lot of swimming yeah granted you typically don't have to swim that far but if you forget to drop your sails like I did once I dropped them most of the way but I either didn't have them down all the way or I just had enough coasting that my ship got uh, uh, carried too far that, uh, you know, I uh, drowned <laughs> trying to get back to it. And at first I was thinking, okay, maybe I just hit a button or something and I dove under the water. No, uh, you have a very, very limited, uh, essentially hidden stamina bar. I'm not sure if that increases over time, but I'm uh, going to assume not. Granted, most islands have a building spot. And that's where the game also saves. So typically what I would do is I would come into essentially port at an island, pull into the building spot and uh, save there. And that's the only place that you can save, by the way. That's essentially a checkpoint system. Hit there, then do whatever the island has to do, and then uh, you know, essentially rebuild the ship just to turn it around and sail off again. So that is something that could be done a little bit better, in my opinion. And also, something uh, the really the only obstacle the game has right now is that some islands, uh, after the third tier, essentially, for lack of a better term, the third ring of the storm, has a tether on them that will uh, lock onto your ship and shoot it. And uh, typically, it goes after your sails and tries to knock them off. Usually, you're close enough, though, that you just swim to shore, pick up the tether, which actually is a part that you could use on your ship, and then just rebuild the ship there. But... If you uh, are, you know, just too far out, or it hits you, or if you just glance it as you're sailing away, I could easily see it where uh, it caught you just at the wrong time, or there was a couple times that instead of hitting my sail, it kind of clipped the ship and uh, kind of broke it in half. It, it went all Titanic on me, and uh, the ship uh, actually does have a proper buoyancy system as well, which is rather impressive. The uh, the building mode shows a meter that shows your overall ship density and it shows the density of the water and it gives you an idea really well of just how well your ship will float without having to you know, do trial and error. So it does be Kerbal on that front. <laughs> but the uh, tether, uh, I could definitely see uh, the tether islands causing problems if you clip them while you're sailing away and it sinks you because you only had so much of a limited time. That you may drown before you even realized what happened. But uh, that's pretty easily negated just by watching what island you're going towards. 
and not really, you know, uh, pulling in front of an island that you haven't explored. There's no way to really mark which islands that you've explored, though. That's something I would also like to see is uh, they have a very basic waypoint system, but no way to really take notes on the islands. And because there's so many of them, it could sometimes, unless you're just sitting in essentially a tier of the storm or where the storm was, because you don't want to go where the storm was. That's bad. Uh, if you uh, stay in a tier and pretty much just make a uh, circumnavigation, of the clock face, I guess, or you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, and pretty much tick off all the islands, you could get a situation where you have a dangerous island that you didn't uh, explore and essentially make safe. But this is one to watch if you're into sailing. So um, I think I pretty much sold this to Kyle. <laughs> sold it to me, too. But yeah, it's... Not bad. It's definitely one to watch. Uh, and if they do some optimization, this is one I'm br- going to come back to at some point. And they're already done one update uh, where they've uh, fixed a few things. And they've also made it where the drowning pretty much instantly takes you back to the last checkpoint instead of forcing you to you know, sit there and watch you kind of tread water. And uh, one last thing is that sometimes it's a little bit annoying trying to get on the boat. Uh, you have to find just the right place, but it looks like they patched that already. I haven't tried it, though. It, it's been uh, rather impressive, though. I mean, it's not a very deep system. It's uh, very Kerbal-esque on its uh, simulation front, but overall, not bad. Sweet. What else did you play this week? Okay, so next up on the list is Mini Metro. This was on the Humble Bundle that I picked up last week for really a... A game club game in the future. And this is one I decided just to try out and ended up losing a couple hours too. <laughs> this game is essentially the equivalent of digital crack without the one more turn syndrome. Maybe this just hit some sort of thing for me because of City Skylines also having this similar quality of sitting there and optimizing things. So Mini Metro is essentially, well, this is mostly a mobile game and it, you can definitely feel the mobile-esque aspect of it where it's very simplistic and it's using just essentially the mouse but you are building a metro or a subway system and trying to make it as efficient as possible without having too much backup uh, on your system and it sounds very mundane and it sounds very boring but it's one of those things that once you sit down and start playing it, you look up and it's like, when did the sun come up? <laughs> uh, there's a handful of maps, each with their own uh, challenges, essentially, because they're based on real world situations. So you'll have different river crossings or different like islands uh, for New York or London, that sort of thing. And the entire idea is just really making a metro system and also trying to... Uh, streamline as much as you can by adding more trains to a particular line that is getting overrun or is feeding other uh, lines because all the passengers uh, there's different stations so there's different types of stations there's like squares triangles uh, circles that sort of thing and a passenger wants to go to a particular type of station not a particular station in general so if uh, you have a line that has like all triangles for example by some weird coincidence because 
It's, I think it goes circle, square, triangle, then unique symbol, uh, which is like stars, uh, pentagons, that sort of thing. So if you have a passenger that wants to go to a circle, uh, uh, but it doesn't have a circle on that line, they'll take the train to a station and hop another line to go to a uh, 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 to the proper station. Uh, a very simplistic way of doing proper management on uh, you know, a proper route. But it requires a lot of... I didn't get what they were doing at first because there's no real tutorial. It's just kind of throwing you in and it's one of those games uh, that you discover as you play. And I didn't realize what the symbols actually meant on the passengers for a moment. For probably the first game, and I lost horribly <laughs> because I didn't build the lines to have a variety of uh, symbols on them. But it's uh, it's uh, it's one of those games that it's so tough to describe because it's uh, a pure gameplay experience, you know. Yeah, I've uh, I've had my eye on Lifeline or not Lifeline, <laughs> uh, Mini Metro for a while. I'm gonna be talking about Lifeline briefly when it's my turn, but. Uh, I've had my Mini Metro for a little while, and I all, obviously I got the humble bundle as well, so I have it, but I haven't played it yet. Well, I got I, well, I fired it up while I was rendering because it's also a very very light game, and uh, you know this is pretty much my mobile game for the week. Only it's not the mobile version; it is on mobile. But yes, it is. It's I think ninety nine cents on mobile. Yeah, I would say that it would be a really 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 good tablet game. Uh, I don't know. Normally it's five bucks. It looks like it's on sale right now on at least the Google Play Store. Yeah, which uh, yeah, Mini Metro on Steam has this uh, Steam sales tax uh, or the PC tax. It's double the price. But considering we got it for a dollar, yeah, less than that when you factor in the other games. But yeah, it's a, a very fascinating title. It, it's uh, a. It's a little tough to really describe without yeah you know, sitting down and going into the nitty gritty of it, which I really don't want to because uh, it's one of those that you really need to experiment with. I, right. I, I definitely uh, I agree with some of the tags on this. Uh, uh, it's a casual game, but then it's not <laughs> because you start figuring out. Okay, I built this line incorrectly because this uh, line doesn't have a variety of. Of, of things on it, so I need to essentially tear down everything and rebuild the entire system, which you're not penalized for. As a matter of fact, you're uh, kind of encouraged to do so. If you're trying to just adjust your lines as you go, you are going to hit a problem. Because as the uh, days wear on, uh, you'll get more and more stations added to your system that you have to incorporate. And also, on every week, you get an additional milestone, so uh, you may get another train that you could add to any line. Every every line starts with one train. But if you have a, tr- uh, a line that's stretched out, you can see where one train is no longer adequate. So you drop another train on it, and it uh, eventually spaces out so that both trains are uh, spaced so that you know they're a, pr- uh, a fair distance apart to try to alleviate the wear or alleviate the uh, buildup on the line. And then you can add an additional carriage to it, so you have an additional train car. 
Uh, you uh, slowly add more lines. You add more tunnels to go under rivers. It's very addicting, <laughs> but also very fun. Uh, shallow, but uh, deep enough that it's doesn't feel like I, yeah, I'm just wasting my time doing nothing. I'm having fun with it. Yeah. I'll uh, maybe check that out sooner rather than later. Then. Yeah, I mean, this may have also hit a certain uh, uh, place for me because I've been dealing with city skylines and trying to figure out the fucking traffic in that game. And this isn't as broken. Grand uh, city skylines you can eventually fix with enough mods and enough uh, fiddling with it, but this just works. So if you yeah. uh, want that, you know, kind of uh, city skylines esque feel. But not want to have to deal with the whole well, city skylines thing. <laughs> then here you go. Sweet. What else you got? Okay, well this is going to be a short one. Dungeon Gambit Boy. This is essentially low rent Super Meat Boy. But I put it on here and not skip it because I, this game, for a while while I was playing it, I couldn't really put my finger on what was bugging me. And then... As I was platforming, I realized what was bugging me about it. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of the lower budget, the very low tier platformers do that I haven't really realized is that this game has a fixed jump height. And I don't mean okay. that. I don't mean that as in, okay, you only have a certain limit. I mean, you hit the jump button, no matter how long you hit it, you jump that height. Period. There's no adjustment to it. And I was having a lot of trouble with some of the puzzles because of it. Until I realized, wait, even if I tap the jump button, he does a full jump. It was a kind of, uh, you know, like, that's why I'm having trouble with this? And this is uh, published by Groupies, which is a uh, another uh, indie bundle site. Uh, typically, they have the more low-rent bundles. Yeah, uh, usually there's one thing that's good in them, then a lot of meh, and this is definitely in that category. This isn't a bad game, but it definitely has that feel of being a very low rent game. There are things in it that I like, though. Uh, it's just the, the platforming aspect. It's very frustrating because of that fixed jump height. So things that should be a lot easier puzzle wise or puzzle platforming wise is a lot more difficult. Uh, matter of fact, there's a good example of it on one of the screenshots where there's an alternate route, and a lot of the levels actually do have alternate routes of a very tight uh, corridor with spikes. And this is, yeah, a Super Beat Boy-esque where you uh, go in and uh, you die repeatedly and slowly improve yourself to uh, get through the level. Well, because of how they have the jump system in this game, it's a lot more difficult to get through tight corridors like that because you're always doing the full jump. You see where I'm going with this? Mm. Uh, where it's a, a lot of uh, the precision is gone out of this game because you're lacking that uh, fine tuning of jumping. It's like if Mario always did one type of jump and there was no real way to guide him 
which this game also, it's not a fully momentum based game. You can stop, start and stop. This isn't full Super Meat Boy. But, uh, there's a lot of sections where you're, uh, where you have to go pretty much full speed to be able to, uh, make a jump uh, properly. But it feels very sluggish. And also this game has some of the slowest ladder climbing I've ever seen. Unless I'm just doing it wrong. Because if uh, climbing uh, a ladder feels like a quarter of the speed that it should be in this game. It's just so fucking sluggish. When most of the time whenever I would encounter a ladder I would just wall jump up it instead. <laughs> or wall jump beside it. Because it was just so damn sluggish. And something else that kind of annoyed me in this game was that, uh, well, you can see on uh, a couple of the screenshots, whenever you die, it gives you, you the chapter and the level. Well, you, it does that no matter how many times you died. And sometimes they had an enemy behind that card at the very beginning of a level. And so there was a couple of times that I was dying pretty quickly. And I didn't realize what was going on. There was a bat hiding just above me and I had to, pretty much immediately step to the left and then jump over it. But I couldn't see it at first, which is a dick move. Yeah, that's a super dick move. I mean, this isn't, I want to be the guy. I want to actually have a chance in this game. But it's also priced right in the budget range. So it's not a case of a high budget title or, you know, a high price title. That's really a $5 title. That's yeah, priced in the $15, $20 range. So, yeah, you know, it's if you want to try a Super Meat Boy X title and you don't want to wait for Super Meat Boy to get on sale, well, here you go. Or if you played Super Meat Boy and want something a little bit more jank for some reason, maybe somebody just likes janky things, like you. Uh, as long as it's not broken. I mean, this isn't broken. It it requires a certain approach to, uh, especially in the platforming. And probably the, well, the best example I could give for, uh, the reason why the, uh, the jumping feels so weird is that occasionally there's, a, well, it's usually a bat, but there's a couple other enemies that does it as well. That if you get close to them, they'll start following you around and you touch them, you die. I mean, uh, pretty much standard for this uh, type of game. Well, because of how the jumping system works, if they catch you in a in a very shallow corridor, or with a low ceiling, uh, you're pretty much doomed, unless uh, you're in a very particular spot, or they're coming at you pretty much straight on instead of above you. Because there's no way to try to just uh, sneak past them. There, you'll just hit your head and uh, be forced back down. Uh, this game is more, you know, kind of me discovering. Uh, why some of these low-budget uh, platformers feel so off at times. And it's given me a way to really test a platformer whenever I uh, play it. So if I play a platformer and I tap the jump button, and no matter how quickly I tap it or how much I hold it, I jump the same height, well, that tells me that there's a particular type of platforming involved now. It's something I didn't really give much mind to. So thank you to Dungeon Gambit Boy for that. Give me a new litmus test on shitty platformers. Yay? <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, I don't really like platformers, so. Well, how about a game that you'll probably will like? Okay. 
SteamWorld Dig 2. This is the new series on my channel. Uh, this is the sequel to the uh, original SteamWorld Dig that I covered two years ago, almost exactly now. <laughs> and th this is uh, Torchlight 2 Syndrome all over again, where the first game was uh, had a very solid base to it, but you were pretty much stuck in a single theme and a single feel of the game. And just, it was a slow grind. This, in the first three hours, I've gone through three different themes of levels. And just the change of t uh, feel to the game and the change of music has kept it a lot fresher than what SteamWorld Dig 1 uh, was in the very beginning. So, they've uh, learned their lesson a lot from the original game. Uh, this, uh, for those who don't know, SteamWorld Dig, uh, and SteamWorld Dig 2 by extension, is a binding, platforming, Metroidvania game, where you're essentially creating a Metroidvania level as you're digging down to this mine system, getting loot, going back to town, selling it to get upgrades, to dig further down to the mine to unlock more static levels. Uh, the placement of the original gems is semi-procedural they're uh, randomized and then uh, you dig down get them go back and the and you eventually find caves and uh, levels that are static that are a, essentially a puzzle platformer section and usually they're uh, some sort of upgrade at the end or a new ability uh, for example the tutorial dungeon at the end of it you get the ability to dash uh, then uh, you'll get the ability to, uh, well, uh, one of the later ones I got is actually a hook shot to be able to uh, uh, latch onto things and uh, be able to Spider-Man your way around the level. Not full-on Spider-Man, it's not swinging, but yeah, close enough. But it's a very satisfying uh, Metroidvania, or a very satisfying take on the Metroidvania genre where you're given a fair amount of freedom to really approach the game how you want to some degree you still have to go through and unlock your uh, abilities in a somewhat certain order but you also have the ability just to skip levels unless it has a an ability that you have to have to progress like the hook shot is pretty much a requirement but you're pretty much you're not quite forced into it but you're encouraged to go into that uh, cave and that cave is pretty much straightforward. I mean, there's not a lot of puzzling there. And uh, the big change for this game over the original is a full point-based upgrade system. So as you level up, for one, you get a multiplier on your gems. So uh, as you level, you quickly start getting more and more money. But you also unlock or you also find in the mines and also have the ability to buy what's called upgrade cogs which as you level up you unlock more abilities and more things that you can uh, buy in the store but also uh, as you upgrade your systems let's say uh, upgrade your pick for example to deal more damage to uh, dirt uh, resources and enemies it may also unlock an ability to say uh, the first one is uh, with I believe it's two upgrade cogs. It gives you five more XP per enemy killed with that uh, weapon. Or 
the uh, the grenade launcher, for example, is another one, a sticky bomb launcher that the uh, for one of the upgrades is for every tile it destroys, it gives you back some water, which all your, well, not all your abilities, but a good number of your powered abilities uses water to create steam because it's Steam World Dig. All the bots are steam powered. So uh, there's a incentive to go uh, puzzle platforming, but if you're good enough or if you wish to skip it, you can, and you can just grind it out if need be. But it, this it's a Metroidvania-style game, so you do want to go yeah, exploring. This is an exploration game. And uh, just, uh, well, I've talked about the Torchlight 2 syndrome, the, just the fact that you see so much diversity and the fact that it has an overworld uh, makes the game feel a lot fresher. It doesn't wear out its welcome nearly as quickly as the original SteamWorld dig. Uh, any questions thus far? So far? Nope. I'm good. <laughs> uh, you could dig it? I I dig it. <laughs> uh, a couple complaints about it. Uh, the platforming is a little... It's not as jank as uh, Dungeon Gambit Boy, but it does take some getting used to because it's very... Uh, I'm trying to think of the good way to explain this. Uh, there's not a lot of ability to adjust yourself in the air. You could change directions, but that's it. So uh, your momentum is still carried over. So uh, there's a couple. Uh, well, there was one section that I recorded not too, uh, 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 just last night where I had to hit a uh, series of platforms that uh, boosted me up, you know, uh, uh, jumping platforms. Well, I hadn't really had a section like that before, so. I was having a little bit of trouble because it required me to pretty much not try to go over to the next one until I hit the apex of my jump. Because if I would try to go before and I would overshoot it, I would try to divert back. But I kept uh, missing that way as well because I had too much momentum overall. It's a little bit of a weird system. But you're not jumping that much in this game. A lot of this game is... Well, I shouldn't say jumping like that. You're doing a lot of wall jumping, a lot of wall climbing, a lot of digging. Uh, there are uh, combat sections in this game, but you're mostly grounded. Uh, you have uh, your grenade launcher. You have your uh, pick for your melee combat. But a lot of it is just digging and finding resources. And overall, so far, I've enjoyed it. I've put about well uh, four or five hours in this game so far. I'm not exactly certain how long this is overall, but I will be talking about it once I complete the game. Uh, but I feel like it's a pretty much a flat improvement over the first one. And this is also supposed to be a bridge between the first one and also SteamWorld Heist, which is the uh, sort of turn-based... Uh, well, uh, uh, I shouldn't say turn-based XCOM, because a 2D XCOM-like uh, game. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know something like that. Well, uh, a, a 2D uh, XCOM as in side-scroller. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> uh, that's actually been on my list for, to play for a while, but I just hadn't gotten around to it. But I got review code for this and decided to try out and was rather impressed with it. Uh, the movement systems overall uh, feels a lot smoother than the, uh, than the original. 
they've uh, definitely learned their lessons from Steamworld Dig. Oh, and they also have uh, unlocked very quickly a full quick travel system. You have a set of pipes that you unlock, and they're essentially checkpoints that you can use to quickly travel around actually the entire world map. Uh, you have a a central hub, which is El Machino, which, uh, let's put it this way. For first uh, episode of my series, uh, the mayor was talking about how you shouldn't listen to so-called experts, just keep the ore flowing. And I just kept saying, don't make a political statement, don't make a political statement, don't make a political statement to myself. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, but you have uh, the central hub, which is El Machino, which uh, has all your vendors, and then it branches off into a rather large uh, over overworld and a rather deep mine with uh, branching paths off of it for different subsections. And all of them have their own checkpoints and quick travel points, which was also another problem I had with the original SteamWorld dig, where once you got past a certain point it started to get more and more of a grind to get back up top. And I was starting to get a little concerned about the lack of really consumables in this game because the first game had ladders that you could build to be able to climb easily, but this has a hookshot, which is uh, rather impressive on use. It's very quick. It's very agile. It takes a little getting used to just because it's a little bit sensitive on its vertical versus horizontal. But that may just be the fact that I'm using a PlayStation controller instead of an Xbox controller. And I have a custom Dead Zone set on it because I like my Dead Zone a little bit larger. So that may just be it. Or it may just be the fact that I'm not using the D-pad on it, which maybe I should. I typically default to the uh, analog stick, but for this game it may not make sense to do so. But yeah, impressed so far. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, they streamlined the... Uh, a progression system. They made it make more sense. They've uh, added a lot more mobility. They've cleaned up uh, the uh, platforming. They've uh, cleaned up the uh, progression. They added more sensible progression. They added an alternate way to progress if you don't or if you get stuck, because sometimes the uh, puzzle platforming can be a little bit of a challenge. There's a couple areas that are more fast paced. Uh, that yeah, if you're not into a fast paced uh, platformer may be a problem uh but uh you're able to just uh, uh go get minerals to get an uh, upgrade cog or two instead or you don't really even need the upgrade cogs at least not yet uh that's the thing is that i'm still fairly early in the game i think so the upgrade system may be more important later on but for now it still feels like uh yeah, this looks cool this looks cool Ooh, uh, uh, resource nodes uh, destroy the blocks around it so I could uh, get things to chain. That sounds really good. But no you know, must-haves. There's, uh, there are convenience items. There are uh, 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 things that speed up progression, but that's it. But yeah, definitely worth a look, especially if you like the first theme wall dig. And that brings me to my last game. Uh, Jared, have you watched the trailer for this game? Uh, <clears throat> yes, I have. <laughs> I have indeed. Titan Ultra. I got very early code for this and no embargo date. So I decided to try this. And 
I went into this expecting one of two things. Either I was going to absolutely hate this game or I was absolutely going to love it. And I'm leaning more towards the love. <laughs> what? That's good because I haven't played this game, but I know that I love it already. So this is essentially crazy taxi plus Japanese mecha plus pizza. You are the new pilot of the Pizza Titan Ultra, this 10-story pizzeria mecca. And your entire mission is to deliver pizza around the city and fight off the evil Cheesebot, who is a cyborg from the future, <laughs> who uh, definitely is not Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and uh, fulfilled the request of your VIPs. So this game has uh, two modes in it, where one is pretty much your free play, uh, uh, very uh, crazy taxi-esque, where you're going around just trying to deliver as many pieces as you can. And then you have the VIP mode, which the VIP mode is pretty short. It's about four or five hours. Uh, uh, about 30, uh, it's 32 missions across eight maps. Uh, three missions per map. And uh, the VIP mode is similar to free roam, only with an additional uh, uh, thing. So, for example, the first uh, VIP you get is Robert Ross, who is definitely not Bob Ross. <laughs> uh, and he wants you to find what they call in secret <laughs> ingredients. On each of the eight maps, there are five mega ingredients that uh, give you a cash boost in uh, free play mode. Uh, and in uh, ultra mode, but uh, in this one, he needs you to find a certain amount of them to be able to make the ultimate pizza with, you know, titanium white mozzarella. <laughs> and it's able to, you're able to do some of the VIP missions very quickly. There's others that are more annoying, and that's more of the game locks you into uh, combat animations, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. Some of the more combat-oriented missions are a bit of a pain. Uh, for example, later on, you have to fight these uh, essentially giant mechas uh, that are on the enemy side, and they have tractor beams, and there was a couple times that I just was getting pulled between several of them. But that's more of a situation of me letting them build up too much. I wasn't taking them on uh, one at a time, I'll let a uh, gang up on me. And also, as you upgrade your mech, uh, all the upgrades are cosmetic, all right? Uh, there's a garage system, and the mech is uh, completely modular. The arms can be customized, the chest can be customized, the backpack can be customized, the head and the legs, all independently customized. As you buy more of the upgrade parts, it, it builds up a upgrade meter in the game, which unlocks a new ultimate ability. Which, for the most part, the first one is fine, which is the super sprint mode, which also negates any negative movement speed. So, uh, the cheese uh, bots uh, eventually will have a tanker that is spreading these, uh, you know, essentially American cheese, you know, just crap cheese all over the place, and it slows you down. Uh, right. And in order to uh, to destroy it, you have to do your stomp attack, but you can't uh, attack while you're stuck in this cheese. You're only able to slowly move. But the dash attack negates that, so you're able to escape. 
uh, you eventually unlock the ability to do a chest laser, a shield, or uh, able to pull in uh, the collectibles in the area to you, which is also important uh, depending on the mission because some of the missions require you to get a certain amount of a collectible. You got uh, like so many uh, dollar signs, some uh, of the little cash icons. Uh, some of them require you to be very careful and not destroy things. Uh, others require you to destroy everything. Uh, they're very diverse in what the, uh, they require as your secondary mission in the VIP section. Which is fine, but I do think this game is going to be one of those that you pick up and play every so often and not really put a lot of time into in one uh, setting. You know, like Crazy Taxi was back in the day. You know, it was more of a pick up and play instead of going and going absolutely nuts for the most part. There is a learning element of sitting down and learning the maps. And the maps do get actually fairly complex uh, really quickly. The third map uh, has two uh, higher platforms that you have to be able to use jump pads to get to or do some uh, platforming, which the camera angle makes a little bit annoying until you get used to it. And the camera isn't exactly the greatest uh the uh, there was a couple times that I took some major damage because there was an enemy hiding behind a building that I couldn't see because of just how the uh, how they were situated with the camera. But then I just knocked down the building and it was fine. Yeah, collateral damage, right? <laughs> yeah, I want this game. Yeah, I think it really I, comes I, down I... to what the final price is because I don't know what the price is going to be on this. They well, haven't announced re- it. I requested a review kit copy, mm-hmm. which has not been answered yet, but sometimes those take a week or more to I was actually surprised process. I got it because uh, I, I got it this early without an embargo. Yeah. Because typically whenever I get a game that's three weeks out, this releases in late April. Uh, actually, I think they finally put a release date of April 27th on. Uh... uh uh, usually there's an embargo for a couple of weeks, but nope, nothing this time. So I was free to talk about it and record it. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I did mention the combat a little bit. Uh, whenever you're finding the big robots, the, it has a lot of references in this. The, my big litmus test that I mentioned in my video for this was Ready Player One. If the references annoy you in Ready Player One, do not play this game. Period. Because the all the customizations are some sort of reference. There's Power Rangers that I recognize. Uh, particularly uh, the old Dragon Sword it looked like, or at least parts of it. Uh, Transformers. At least two or three different Gundams. All your VIPs are some sort of reference. You have Bob Ross. You have Captain Planet who calls up. Then uh, you get some weirder ones. Like there was a mixture of Chung Lee and Princess Leia. <laughs> uh, uh, who called up wanting a, a pizza. Uh, so, And I'm pretty sure uh, Billy, who is the, the delivery boy. It looks like a little like Fry from uh, uh, Futurama, only with freckles. And Billy, Billy West. Yeah, I'm looking for... Uh, last screenshot for uh, all of them. Uh, is the cast. 
Oh, okay. And Billy is the one that's holding the pizza paddle in the uh, lower left. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, but yeah, it, I actually had fun with it. it. But it all comes down to price. If this is uh, overpriced, uh, I would say wait for sale. But if you're a fan of uh, crazy taxi ass games, this is definitely one to check out. Not a lot to talk about because it is a very uh, simplistic game overall. But hey, you're fisting giant uh, 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 skyscrapers and delivering pizza. That sounds like a good time to and, me. And I mean, literally fisting in the uh, 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 VIP mode because once you complete the VIP uh, mission, it's uh, mission over. And yeah, you launch a rocket fist, and it launches into the living room, and they deliver the pizza. <laughs> nice. I want one of those pizzas from a giant robot. Who's destroyed half the town delivering it. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, some of the missions are a little bit more annoying than others. Uh, uh, especially ones where you have to avoid doing damage to the town. Or have a very... Uh, a particular thing you have to hunt down. Like, one of the missions that required me to find all five of the secret ingredients was annoying because I only found three in uh, free room. And one was kind of hidden behind the building about halfway. But, yeah, once I leveled the city, it wasn't that hard, but it took me some time to find <laughs> it. What? Once I leveled the city, it wasn't that hard. Uh, But another, the most annoying one I found was... uh. uh one where I had to not do damage to the city, but because the enemy army uh, was doing damage, it counted against me. So I had to try to avoid populated cities, uh, populated centers of the city as much as I could. Uh, and just uh, dive in, fist a building, and dive out. Which sounds a little odd out of context. Nah, it's in, in context as well. And that's all A-OK in my book. <laughs> But yeah, uh, pretty good overall. Uh, I, I did hit a few bugs, but I'm playing this three weeks out from uh, launch, so I didn't hold that against it. I had a crash when I simultaneously failed and passed a mission. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I hit the Stronger bug, where as I completed the mission, I also failed the objective. It was the same one that I talked about, where uh, I had to avoid doing damage to the city. As I completed the mission and I got my last uh, pickup for it, the enemy destroyed a building and put me over uh, the uh, quota that uh, that or that I could uh, destroy buildings. So I failed and passed at exactly the same time, and I crashed the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I have had got times where I got stuck in an animation, uh, especially delivering a pizza. One time I was up to like four or $5,000 for a free room delivery. And I got stuck in the animation right at the end of the timer. But like I said, I'm playing this three weeks out. So I'm assuming that they're doing QA now. So I don't hold it against them that much. Now we'll see if they uh, fix it uh, uh, after the fact though. But uh Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it, unless you have questions about Pizza Titan Ultra. I don't think so. Oh, and also, I just want to play it myself. Uh, oh, well, let's put it this way: uh, you could also in the in the uh, garage completely customize the colors. And uh, I actually referenced you whenever I, I painted my uh, Titan uh, pink for a second, 
<laughs> I know someone that's oh, gonna, thanks. I know someone that's going to make it a garish color. <laughs> and the Titan has three different colors that you could uh, paint. Uh, yeah, a primary, a secondary, and tertiary. So you can make it look hideous. Excellent. And when you say hideous, you mean fabulous. No, I mean fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> oh, my throat is absolutely killing me. So why don't you take it over? Indeed. So I had five games this week. They're all mobile games because I didn't play anything new uh, on during the week. And then I went to my parents' house over the weekend for Easter and downloaded a bunch of mobile games to play. So the first one on my list is Anybody Out There Dead City. This is one of those sort of uh, storytelling, choose-your-own-adventure type games, mm-hmm. just like the Lifeline games. Um, and the one I had last week, which I actually hit the end of the uh, uh, the demo on. I, I was assuming it was a demo, but it kind of put me off uh, rather soon after we talked about it, just because of a long rant it had. Yeah. But, so anyways, this is one of those type games, and you're contacted by someone who's surviving, or who has survived the zombie apocalypse, but they're in some sort of alternate universe, or dimension, or something, because, like, they ask you a bunch of questions, and you respond, and you're like, no, there's not been any apocalypse, there's no undead walking around, I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, it does... A couple of interesting things that I haven't seen these other games do. It's got this so- sort of telltale system at the end whenever you complete uh, an entire day. Yeah, I see that on the and screenshots. It'll, it'll tell you all the choices you made and, you know, who made those choices and whatnot. So that's pretty cool. But otherwise, it's pretty standard for this type of game. Um, it's got a few... I've noticed a few typos in it. So I'm not sure if this is translated from, you know, some other language to English or... If they were just, like, rushing it out the door or something. Huh. But, uh... This is... Uh, sorry, uh, uh, this is from Head Up Games. Uh, uh the reason why the that's... people who did the Portal Bridge Constructor yeah. game? And, actually, uh, the Inner World games as well, so... Yeah, this is a more high-end, uh, uh, developer, so... Not sure why there, uh, should be typos in it. Yeah, it's I've seen several very obvious typos, and I'm pretty bad at grammar, and half the time I'm pretty bad at spelling. So if I notice your typos, then you're 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 doing something wrong. But in general, it hasn't really hurt my sort of immersion into the game. It do you think like they, I said, they may it's have purposely, purposely did the typos because it's someone texting you? Maybe, but it doesn't feel that way. It didn't have like an autocorrecty type of feel or like weird shorthand. Do you think it would have it been just... better if uh, there was a you know, a typo or a wrong word, and then it, uh, immediately it's like, "Oops, I meant." Uh, especially during that... a tense moment. Yeah, that would be better, but there hasn't been any of that. I was just trying to explain a way. Why would there be a t- uh, typo in this? Maybe it's just they didn't do QA or missed it. Or, or yeah, they're, they're autocorrect like, and grab it. <laughs> they're really, like, they're obvious sort of simple typos, like, instead of saying they are, it'll say they is. Oh, okay. Or uh, something like, you know, stuff like that. Or missing punctuation, so a sentence goes on and on and on. 
because you can ask this kid. Uh, well, I assume it's a kid, like a teenager. That's the sense that I get from the game, but I don't really know too much about them. Their name is Sam, so they went the whole gender-neutral route, which is fine. Um, but otherwise, you don't know much about them, other than they're like, they, they're like, I found this phone, and this app was turned on, and you were set as to the favorite contact. So, hi, I'm sorry that your friend is probably dead. And I'm like, who are you, and what are you talking about? I wonder if this is uh, the reason why they're a German uh, company. So, uh, they may, it may not be doing uh, their... Primary uh, language may not be English. Yeah, I mean, and localization is difficult. It's not, I mean, it's not terrible, mm-hmm. but it is noticeable. So if, if you do have an eye for that sort of thing and it does bother you, then this might not be the game for you. But I mean, so far, I'm, I'm only on day two. Um, It does, you know, it'll notify you whenever you get a new message, but you know, like sometimes you do. I don't get... Sometimes I don't get those notifications, and I'm not sure why, so I forget about it for, like, six hours. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, I should check on Sam and see what's up. Um, And then you get the message, Sam's dead because you didn't care. <laughs> the only other thing that it does that really annoys me is that they just... They haven't said the word zombies yet, but they do that thing where they use a million different phrases to describe zombies but they don't actually say zombie i'm just like just fucking say zombies well they're zombies there's a a reason why at least i've heard people talk about this uh, especially in universes where zombies exist or zombies and sarcasm quotes it's the idea that uh, the zombies don't exist in uh, the mythical lore of that world so the obvious things that you would think of when you're dealing with a zombie they wouldn't think of. So since the word zombie doesn't exist in their uh, uh, in their vocabulary, they're having to learn everything on the fly. That, that's what I've always heard, and that, it makes the most sense to me. Uh, but I, I mean, don't that's think an explanation that makes sense, but anything. so but uh, for they like also don't writing wanna, and they don't want to fall into the cliche of zombie. Yeah, I mean, I understand that reasoning, but it still bugs me. Like that's the only part that really annoys me about this game is I'm like, just fucking say that they're zombies, Jesus. It's not that hard. But otherwise, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a standard one of these, you know, help someone choose their adventure, play uh, choose, in real time uh, sort their of adventure game. Yeah. So it. I mean, it's fun. Uh, and it it only costs ninety nine cents, and it's definitely worth, in my opinion, ninety nine cents. So. If you're looking for one of these games to play on your mobile device, at least on your Android device, I don't know if it's on iTunes, and if it costs the same, but at least in the Google Play Store, 99 cents. Pretty good game. Uh, next on my list, Car versus Cops. Oh boy, this looks uh, basic. It is super basic. Um, this is a game where you play a car and you try to outrun cops. <gasps> You mean and like the title? A, yeah. And it's on a, a black grid. Uh, black and white grid. Okay, t- tell me one thing. Literally, that's it. Uh, tell me one thing about this. Is there a ability okay. to change your car to a Ford Bronco? Yes. A white Ford Bronco? I don't remember if it's white or not. But there, there's quite a few cars, but the thing is, is that they all... This is a free-to-play game, and that's where they get yeah. you, because you got to collect coins, and if you collect enough coins, you can get a car, 
for free. Uh, is, but... Does it use the gotcha model where uh, uh, it's a random thing, or is it uh, the cars slowly improve and they also quickly improve in price? No, you can buy any car at any time, and all of the cars cost the same amount of coins because they're literally just skins. Um, there's a couple of cars you can unlock by watching ads. So I watched enough ads to unlock the cars for free, and then I played enough to unlock one car. So you've got like a red just sedan. Uh, you have your starting same car link on here twice, by the way. Do I? Yeah. Whoops. I'll fix that. Well, I was going to bring up the next game, but uh, it brought up the same one. My mistake. Um, but anyways, all of the cars seem to handle the same because I got like a, a Formula One car and like the sedan and then a truck and they all seem to handle exactly the same. So I think that they're just different skins of the of the car. And I mean, you just dodge the cops for as long as you can. And, you know, the more time passes, the more difficult it gets. The cops spawn in larger, tougher, faster vehicles, and your speed stays the same, so you're just dodging. I mean, it's alright, you know, for like a two, three minute game to play at a time, but it's nothing special. I think Betty Metro still wins. Yeah, there's nothing special to it. There's nothing to write home about. The soundtrack is alright, but even after a few minutes, it... It's Mute. just like, okay. Yeah. So. Alright, game. Nothing particularly broken or bad about it, but also nothing really good about it. Uh, next on my list is One Line. One Stroke Puzzle Game. One Stroke! And it's a really shitty name for a pretty decent game. Uh, you know those puzzles yeah, that I'll, you uh, would play as a kid where you had to connect all of the lines or whatever without lifting your pencil? Yeah. This is that. Except on a touchscreen. Yeah, I was about to say, wait a minute, this uh, this looks very familiar. Yeah, this is a very zen game. Um, it's free to play. You can buy the the maps or the, the puzzle packs early, but you also can just solve all of the puzzles to unlock the next puzzle pack. So, I mean, you could, I guess, if you wanted to buy into a certain puzzle type, but otherwise there's no real reason to. I mean, you can just buy... The game, like, you install it for free, but then you can buy it for, I think, two bucks from inside to remove the ads um, and the microtransactions and just unlock everything in one go. But you don't really have to. And, and this is a very zen game. It's got a very nice soundtrack. Uh, got some mix of, like, some classical music and, like, some very smooth jazz and techno thrown in there. And it, you know, alternates through the soundtracks as you play the puzzles. Yeah, it's I think just a really is, solid, fun, simple puzzle game. Yeah, I think this is where mobile's really shown uh, is just the more simple uh, puzzle games that aren't full of absolute bullshit. Because yeah, yeah, the management genre on uh, mobile is pretty much just energy bars and timers, which absolutely oh. infuriates me. Yeah, uh, the shooter genre well, you're about to talk about. Actually, I'm about to talk about the management. Oh, I didn't even look at your next game. I knew your last one. But yeah, one line was is was quite good. I played it for about two hours over the weekend, just like laying in bed, chilling before I took a nap. Or because I mean, I was always the last person awake in the house every night, anyway. Oh, I've had this one just... pop up before. Uh, the uh, Rocket Valley Tycoon. Yeah. So 
Uh, and, One and, line. And then good in game. Yeah, and the next uh, few words in its title may, uh, immediately turned me off for a minute. I know, I know, but it's actually a really good game. So Rocket Valley Tycoon Dash. They should just stop there, but Dash. Idle resource manager game unreleased. So this is an early access, free-to-play, mobile sort of idle game. And that all of that sounds like garbage. And I thought it was going to be a really garbage game, but the art style and the fact that it was on a hex grid made me think, well, maybe there's something a little more to this game. And there is. So this combines some light management, light resource management, light uh, transport transportation management, gameplay mechanics, with some light, at least so far, light idle type gameplay elements. Uh, with a brilliant art style that I, I really enjoy. Something that feels very unique on mobile. Uh, to create this really interesting little management game that doesn't require too much of your time at once, but seems like there's a lot of depth to it. So It's one of those that uh, you uh, fire up every so often to collect and uh, uh, make decisions. Sort of, yeah. So what it, what it is is that you start out on Earth... And you have one large plot of land, which is something like, I would guess, like 200 hexes. Um, and there's a city. And it walks you through the tutorial mechanics, and you build your first resource harvester, and then connect it to a factory, and then connect the factory to a train depot, and then connect the train depot to a city. And you bring the city the resources that it requests. And there's two ways to earn money in the game. You complete the missions that the cities give you. There's multiple cities, but you start out with just one. And then um, whenever you have excess resources, if you've got your factories and your mines set to continuously mine after they're full, it will sell those resources and then you collect the money from them. So you do those two things to collect money. Um, the cities also uh, give you bonuses. So the more missions you complete for a city, the more bonuses you get for the area around the city. Uh, so more money when you sell resources or automatically faster factories or some other bonuses they can provide like that. And once you do enough missions for a city, it unlocks the next area around you. And you can pick the area. It looks like there's 10 areas to expand into on Earth. Um, I assume eventually you can run out of resources, but there are billions of, like, like, the resource numbers are measured in billions of units, so I expect that would take a while. Um, and so you, the Until management the aspect up, of right? it, yeah, the management aspect of it, though, is placing your factories and your train depots and things in such a way to maximize their efficiency. The idle part comes in, you can upgrade them just like you can most stuff in an idle game. That way they're producing resources faster, and then if you've got the over the, the overflow turned on, then you'll make more money faster because they're selling more faster. I'm getting pretty close to being able to build my first rocket launch pad. So aside from what I can just see when you go look at like the big map of all of the locations, I don't know what's beyond Earth, but you can go to the moon, you can go to Mars, go to the asteroid belt, and then it says greater solar system beyond that. 
So I don't know if there's any going to be like expansion of these mechanics or if it's just like you send a prep okay, to Uranus. Oh yeah, or if it's just go to the next place and do the thing over again. So I'm not sure about that, but it does have some very complex supply chains for a mobile game. Like your first supply chain isn't too bad. It's like a total of eight things to build the final product, like eight steps. Um, but the second chain for the second like main resource that you need to build rockets like computers or something like that is like 14 steps and there's three more beyond that one so if they keep increasing at that rate so how long did it take you to get to this point um i have played it for about two hours of play time and then idle time uh, a couple of days. Because my big problem with uh, this genre is that you start getting to the point where if you don't buy in, it takes you up to a week to start getting past progress uh, for each yeah. milestone. And that's what's always put me off from this. I'll play it for a yeah. bit, then I'll hit the point where, okay, now I need to wait a week. No, I don't. Uninstall. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I played it for about an hour, like, nonstop when I first started playing. Because the first few rewards it gives you from the city, or from the, yeah, from, from doing missions for the city, are pretty large in comparison to what things at the low end cost. And I pretty quickly unlocked the second area with the second city and started getting bonuses from there. And I, I got through all of that in about the first hour. And then I put it down and I picked it up the next day. And I played on it two or three times the next day, which was Monday. So Sunday and Monday for about another hour total. And I haven't had a chance to get on it and play it today. I had a pretty busy day today, actually. But I don't f I don't feel like progress has been hampered too much. Um The missions, though, were randomly generated by the cities. And I had one give me a mission that I couldn't afford uh for quite it felt like it was gonna be quite a while but you also can spend lots of your money to really increase the amount of money that you can make because it doesn't have any limits on what sort of factories and mines you can build so if you want a lot of quick cash you can just build some uh several mines and factories to produce things specifically to sell and it doesn't penalize you in any way um like for covering up resources or anything like that. Cause if you destroy your buildings to do a redesign or something like that, any resources that were underneath it still stay there. Like there's, there's no penalty or penalties or anything for that. So you just have to pay for the factories and the mines themselves. So you could speed it up that way. I, d I don't, I, I feel like the progression has been fairly natural. I haven't felt like at least so far, like it's tried to say, Hey, you should probably buy some premium currency or spend some of your, your real money. There's, there's no premium currency. Let me rephrase that. You should spend some of your, your real money to buy the end game currency so that you can go faster or buy boosts for currency and stuff like that. So far, I haven't felt like that's the case, but we'll see. I mean, I'm going to keep playing it this week. Uh, I want to at least get off planet and see what the next section of the game is like, because if it adds some kind of mechanic or changes something in a, in a key way, that's pretty cool, and I'll keep playing it. But if it's literally the same thing, 
just mine resources and build rockets to expand to the next stage, I'll stop playing. Because I don't want to just do that again for however many hours. But it, it's a fun little game. It's a lot higher quality game than the title would lead you to think. Yeah, I mean, the title immediately put me off. But to be fair, the title of the next one puts me off as well. Indeed. So, moving on to the final game on my list. PUBG Mobile. Nope. So, I played PUBG Mobile, guys, because it was free. And I was like, sure, why the hell not? Why not? I can think of a few um, reasons, but right, go ahead. It's not a terrible game, but it's not a good game either. Uh, playing it strictly mobile is terrible. They have crammed so much shit onto the screen to be obscured by your thumbs, particularly someone like me with, like, fat sausage thumbs. Um... So that you're mis- constantly misclicking and doing the wrong thing mis-tapping? and constantly getting yourself killed. Yeah, mistapping. Sorry. Um, maybe if I had smaller thumbs yeah, or had never played a real video game before ever, <laughs> uh, or, I, it, this would be okay. This looks like a tablet game if you're playing with on-screen controls because, damn, there's so fucking much here. I'm looking at yeah. one of the screenshots and uh, there's one, two, three. Three, uh, three icons plus F, uh, the on-screen joystick, which is usually trash, plus uh, then uh, the backpack icon on the left, plus it looks like some sort of like a symbol uh, thing uh, along the bottom with two uh, weapon slots there. Then another, I'm not sure what that is on the right, plus a reload, plus your stances, plus a jump, plus some sort of other ammo. I mean... I mean, dear God, it, it looks like icons just threw up on the screen. The movement's actually not so bad, because basically, when you're using the on-screen controls, what you do is you double-tap to auto-run, and then you just don't worry about it. Ah. But uh, everything else is garbage. It's got a huge amount of aim assist, because it has to, um, because this is worse than playing with a controller. But whenever you try to use a scope... Um, it takes away quite a bit of that aim assist. Of course or, it does. Well, I should say, whenever you try and aim down sights. So it takes away quite a bit of the aim assist if you try and aim down sights. So this is essentially uh, the reverse of uh, what you usually do, is uh, try to aim down sights to get better aim? Yeah, it may, it's terrible. It was a stupid idea. I don't know who thought of that idea. Maybe they thought, oh I, yes, they'll I, be I able think it's to, called to games. swipe around. They should they should swipe around to be able to aim when they're down sights, which is what you do, by the way. You tap the button to aim down sights, and then you do, and then you swipe your finger around on the screen to adjust your aim. Oh dear God! It's it's terrible. It's real bad. This game, though, I in its mobile form, and I played it with a controller. I'll talk about that in a minute. Cheater. In its mobile form, this game I think is designed for like teenagers uh middle school and and high school kids who have grown up playing games a lot more on tablet and and touchscreen well, devices tell you in general definitely because um it's number one yeah and it's yeah it's just a, a really bad game to try and play on a touchscreen 
there's also some differences in the mobile version that I know were there because I've heard people talk about them on podcasts and read a couple of articles. Uh, there's bots. Uh, so just pad the numbers uh, or uh, because they couldn't do 100 players on a uh, mobile uh, uh, server. I'm pretty sure it's the f- the technical limitation. They're saying it's so that people can get a handle on the game without being thrown in against 100 people. But the thing is, is that like is that everyone that you play with, point? Every, everyone that you play with is garbage anyways, and the bots sometimes do a better job than the players. Well, they I mean, they're not to, great. Well, they don't have to deal with the on-screen controls. Yeah, the, the bots aren't great, and you can tell what the bots are because they all wear red shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a good chuckle at that too. Um, but there's bots, and there seem to be fewer bots the more games that you play. Uh, my first couple of games, it seemed like it was pretty close to a hundred percent bots. There were maybe 10 players that I was able to pick out really quickly. Um, or as I was playing before I died, but after about game number four or five, it seemed like there was only about 50% bots that I saw. So I don't know. Take that as you will. Um, Maybe they should have went for smaller maps and smaller player counts. Yeah. Nah, why would they do that? That's not what a Battle Royale game is, Rage. Oh, of course he not. He said sarcastically. Um, it also, they they did a few other things uh, to try and ease the mobile experience. Like, you automatically pick up items now instead of having to faff about with the inventory system, which I've never faffed about with the inventory system before, but... You pick up stuff automatically. Um, I talked about the aim assist auto run. Uh, it automatically equips your best weapon by default, unless you turn that off in the options. A um, couple other little things like that. As far as the game looks and plays, uh, from like a frame rate and visual perspective, it looks okay. Um, it looks about the same as it does on PC, honestly. And on a PC, that's not very good. But on a mobile device, that's not too bad. Um, hey, look, they got polygons. It felt like there was a lot less stutter than what I've seen on people playing on PC and, well, and I'm, consoles well, don't you have game. a pretty good phone as well? So that may be just the yeah, fact that, that c- they're shooting for a lower phone. And you're yeah, they're probably shooting more, for a- more horsepower at it. Yeah, because I've got a the Galaxy S8 Plus, which was last one of last year's like top of the line phones. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm certainly above the lowest common denominator phone that they're shooting for. So that that could be why it looks better for me and plays better, or looks the same and plays better. But yeah, I didn't notice a lot of stutter. It's really hard to notice server lag when the game is so dot dicey to control, anyways. <laughs> so I guess that works in their favor. But uh, after I played a few games or a few rounds using the touch controls, I thought, let me give this a shot with a controller. Which the game doesn't officially support controller or keyboard and mouse. But, but I I, I mean, I didn't have to even do anything. I connected my Bluetooth controller to my phone and it recognized it immediately and I just was able to play with it. So, I don't know. And how many times were you cussed out for using the controller? Oh, man. Uh, it has voice oh, chat turned on, doesn't it? 
Yeah, but I turned voice chat off. But there's still a little... You can get, like, messages from people. And I had a, a few people call me some nasty names. Because they were like, you've got to be cheating. You've got to be cheating. It's like, no, I'm just using a controller instead of playing, instead of play, trying to play with the shitty touch controls. Which I have seen a couple of articles where people are, are saying, if you use a keyboard and mouse or a controller, you're definitely cheating and hacking in this game. From, like quote-unquote legit publication this is why i don't uh read stuff for mobile games to begin with is that uh, mobile game sites are just garbage <laughs> at least the ones i've been able to find i, I think I, but, I think maybe i need to find a couple uh of the like second tier mobile sites to look for games because yeah I, using a controller is cheating fuck you and the horse you rode in on yeah, playing it with a controller, it wasn't so bad. Um, in this whole well, uh, Fortnite uh, has actually, uh, well, they have their mobile version out as well, but it doesn't look like it's nearly as popular for some reason. Well, it's only on iPhone. Oh, okay. I didn't, well, I was looking. I didn't realize it wasn't on iPhone. I don't follow these games that closely. Yeah, Fortnite so far has only released on iOS devices. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that they're blocking uh, controllers for the time being. Or at least they uh, supposedly are. Yeah, playing with a controller, one, it was no contest against other players. And two, I got a better, I guess, experience of what PUBG is supposed to be. And it's alright. I like Fortnite better for all the reasons that I thought I would. Um, I imagine Fortnite PUBG uh, looks is- a lot better. <laughs> PUBG is much slower than Fortnite. Average game length in Fortnite, 15 minutes or so. Average PUBG game, 30, 35 minutes or so. Even on mobile. Ugh. Yeah, they didn't change any of that. Because um, people just hide. Uh, if if you are somehow forced beyond just the closing ring of death to fight more often, I'd say on mobile the battles would last a lot less. But people will just hide. So well, they, they still have, go the full time. Well, they have crap control, so they've resorted to camping. But well, uh, why don't they just play this other game that I could see on top charts, a uh, hot online instead? <laughs> but uh, yeah, a matches Which take too looks long. Looks like it's uh, prop hunt. Actually, that that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> but yeah, matches take too long. I prefer the cartoony, stylized art style to the attempted realism, or you know, realistic looking graphics. Um, I like the silly weapons more than the real weapons for this type of game. I miss the crafting system or miss the building system. Uh, I thought you hated I bitched that. a lot about it. I bitched a lot about it in Fortnite, but without having it at all, you feel very limited whenever you come up on stuff. It's like, well, I can go inside this building or I can hide in this bush. And that's it. And at least in Fortnite, you're not limited to where you can go. It's like, oh, look, a little cliffside up there well let me just build a, a sky bridge real quick and i'll get over there or knock down a wall then, to uh, enter a building yeah and there's none of that in PUBG, so it, it feels very limiting or limited and it's mo- uh maneuverability hey, but look at it this way with your controller you can go uh, make kids cry that's true i can't uh, i think i, or, I think we found uh, content for your channel uh get a video recorder for your phone and uh, go play for, uh PUBG and uh I have uh, some sort of montage. Or I could just uninstall the game, get that gig and a half of space back. Wow, it's a and gig and a half? Play some. Yeah, it's a one gig download, and then when it installs, it's almost a gig and a half. Shit. 
Yep. And of course, it has to use the internal uh, memory as well, because that's something that annoys the fuck out of me, is that I can't use my SD card for most apps to install. Yeah, I use my SD card pretty much exclusively for music and podcasts. But, I mean, I have 64 gigabytes of internal Mm -hmm. memory on my phone, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, but it's annoying. It is annoying. It's stupid. But yeah, PUBG Mobile... PUBG, uh, whenever I played it with the controller, so it was closer to the console or PC experience. Eh? I mean, it's not for me, but, you know, like I said with Fortnite Battle Royale, like, I can see why people like this type of game. It's just not something that I enjoy. And out of the two, Fortnite, I prefer, just because, mostly because it's faster. Well, I just had a thought. Okay, you had such an advantage when you put a controller in. What if you uh, did mouse and keyboard? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been probably been amazing. I don't have a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard, though. Well, uh, uh, a hub and uh, USB? Actually, I was going to say, I could just plug them up to my phone via a USB. Because I do have a hub. I've got two hubs. I think we found your... Uh, New goal for next week. <laughs> Send you back into pub, uh, parachute you back into PUBG with a mouse and keyboard. Mouse and keyboard and voice chat on. Yeah. I turned voice chat off immediately. Not very many people seem to use it. Like, I played through a couple of game matches with without, it. Uh, realizing just it was to on. see. Yeah, without realizing it was on. It was pretty quiet. But in the places where there are people talking, it's race, racist stuff and. Sexist stuff and bullshit. Well, isn't that so. what PUBG is on PC? Uh, uh, whenever you're in that initial area before... Especially if you're PewDiePie. Yeah. hey Or uh, Ninja, it seems. Or did you hear about that one? No, I didn't. Yeah, supposedly he dropped the M-bomb, but then Twitch is like... Eh. It's, kind of, it's kind of funny how people ignore him. Uh, but then again, he doesn't have the long string of uh, controversy, so I don't know. Or maybe it's just context. I haven't uh, went to look for it. I just saw a lot of people bitching and moaning about that. Saying, uh, double standard, double standard. Well, context for one. Second, you know, I, you're given the word more power by getting so up in arms about it. Or at least that's my opinion on it. I don't know. I'm old. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, yeah, those are all the games I played this week. Aside from Fortnite, which I'm not going to talk about again. So, ready to move on to our news topics, or do you need a break? Because we've been going for about, what, 90 minutes now? Yeah, actually, 100. Sweet. But Yeah, I think I'm good to go. Cool. Then, moving on to our first news topic, which is really a collection of a couple of loot box related topics. Loot boxes. Drops come in, drops come out. Can't explain it. Well, we can, but yeah, that, what would be the fun in that? First of all, I gravity, say, motherfucker. I had, a good time. I had a good time coming up with that title. I was very proud of myself. Okay, so the first up is the Hawaii Beals failing. 
Indeed. So if you remember, I don't know how many weeks ago it's been now. A couple months, actually. Um, it was towards the beginning of the year. It was uh, February. Okay. Yeah, that's depending on when, somewhere between one and two months. Uh, but yeah, if you remember way back when, uh, in the current year, Hawaii's state legislators were putting up some bills into the Senate and the House. Uh, I don't remember all of the specifics off the top uh, of my head. One of them required one uh, was, uh, odds to be posted in a game uh, or uh, be odds uh, available for the, uh, the contents of the loot box. And the other was a warning label for loot boxes in general. Right. And one of those bills technically passed, but it was completely changed into another yeah, bill. It's, that... it's the thing that uh, it's the same bill in name only. And that's it. Yeah, it was completely gutted and replaced with something about food. Uh, it was it, restaurant yeah, chain it was changed to. Well, well let's go. Uh, well, let's start with that one, I guess. Uh, House Bill twenty-seven twenty-seven uh, made it so that, or no, was it the other one? Uh, well, the Senate bill, yeah. Uh, it was made it so that restaurants that aren't participating in nationwide uh, promotions have to. Pr- uh, post some sort of signage and that's it so completely changed nothing to do with the loot boxes at all and all the other ones seem to fail uh, to get past committees or get voted on in general with no real explanation why yet but this was also the state that was seeing a lot of lobbyists coming out so i think we know why it's just nobody knows the specifics yet yeah um and this sucks that none of those bills passed. But this is also uh, round one. And if we learned anything from the net neutrality clusterfuck, is that uh, yeah, laws will keep popping up again. And in some cases, that's good. Some cases, that's bad. In this case, this may be a good thing. This may be a bad thing. It all comes down to the wording of the law itself. Yeah. There are, are several other states that have since... Yeah, Washington uh, is kind of leading the charge now that Hawaii's dropped out. Yeah. Which we'll get to that in a little bit. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, not a, really a lot to talk about here. More of a disappointment that this has fallen through. Because from everything that I could tell, these weren't egregious. These were more uh, just a little bit of warning label or a little bit of pushing developers to disclose the damn odds. Yeah, just general consumer protection instead of, uh, what's the, like, just completely taken over and having, like, ratings boards yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's not a, so. a blanket ban. It's not uh, making it uh, against the law. It's just uh, proper warning, proper information out. and uh, What we wanted the ESRB to do in the first fucking place. Indeed. But it seems that... Uh, the lobbyists have won this, Tom? They've won this round, but the other round... Uh, or they've won this fight for now. But the fight against loot boxes in AAA games seems to be heading in the direction of the consumer. Because Shadow of War announced that they are going to be removing loot boxes and microtransactions. And rebalancing and making some pretty big changes to the end of the game which really was tailored towards a grind fest or buy loot boxes. 
Uh, and that's going to be happening in July. Was it June or July? July. Yeah, I'm of two minds on this. Well, first of all, when I first saw this, I thought this was some sort of April Fool's joke. Uh, yeah. Because this was uh, announced in the, I don't think it was announced April uh, 1st, but it was, uh, it was starting to make the rounds uh, uh, yeah, towards the end of the day. So I saw this, I thought this was a joke, and then I started looking more and more into it and saw, wait, this is actually the real thing. And for one, they're talking about how it undermines the games, game systems and how uh, it made the game not fun. But um, wasn't this the same argument everybody was talking about six months ago when this piece of shit launched? Yeah. I mean, they've this done is the argument com- that everyone This made. is a complete 180. And Yes, yes, they do get some credit for removing the loot boxes, but at the same time, they're doing this right before their last DLC launches to try to get a little bit of sales back, which we talked about this yesterday uh, before recording and looked up the sales numbers, and the sales numbers for this game are abysmal. Yeah. It had only sold something like 750,000, you know, give or yeah, take. Yeah, with the margin of error on Steam. On Which Steam. Is, it's uh, it's only platform on PC, isn't it? Uh, no, it, you can buy it uh, from, Win- or as it's just like a Windows install. Um, uh, is it on another storefront uh, that's not Steam? No, it's not on another storefront, but you can just buy like a PC version. Uh, are, are you uh, sure it doesn't give it them. just a Steam key? Yes, because it was listed separately um, on, what was that other site that I looked at? Uh, VG Charts. It, it was listed separately from the Steam numbers. So I am don't know if you get the game directly from there. It looks like every, uh, I'm looking around and it looks like it all goes through Steam. So maybe it's a, a peculiarity with the Steam Charts. Maybe. Because, let's put it this way, there's a, a, uh, a couple things that uh, you cannot, Steam is required to play this game. So, yeah. Uh, according to the wiki. So, okay. uh, maybe maybe it's uh, some sort of peculiarity or they're talking about physical sales. Because that may be a thing. You know, uh, collector's editions and that sort of thing. It looks like it does have a physical PC release for collector's edition all of their various collector's editions so, uh, the the thing is that because of how they word this and uh how they're backpedaling on all their arguments and the, the the big thing that really sticks in my craw is the fact that they're talking about having to rebalance the end game to remove the loot boxes which validates every single damn claim we made about the last portion of the game being designed to sell the damn loot boxes. Fuck them. That also goes to validate claims that have been made against other developers. Yes. Because they've always been like, no, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to affect the game. But this just gives us evidence that developers do. Which, I mean, we know that they do. But it's good to have evidence for things that you know. Yeah, the only way this game ends up in my Steam library... Is humble bundle, and there has to be something else in that bundle that I want, and I will remove 
my, my contribution to this developer, it will go to fucking zero. I'll give it to Humble instead of them. They are not getting my money. This is a goodwill chister. Fuck them. Yeah, I was debating on whether or not now I might be tempt- willing to purchase it on sale in a year or two from now. I still say no. Uh, just uh, with them talking about having to rebalance things. I, I mean, yeah. it's just... Uh, this validates every single complaint. And them turning it around on us. Because they kept talking about player choice. They kept ta- talking about how it's a difficulty setting. Well, if the difficulty has to be adjusted because you removed the easy mode, then something's wrong with your difficulty settings. Yeah, didn't they say that they were going to be making some tweaks to the story as yes. well? So that it made more sense yeah, they, or yeah, something? Yeah, the, the, uh, the Shadow War, the very last chapter of the game, is a very, very long grind, according to every single review I've read that actually got that far. Because the the problem with a lot of game reviews, particularly for the AAA aspect of things, is that the rush so much even with embargoes that usually they play a major portion of the game or about half the game and build the review off that. But they don't say that they built the review off that. So the ones that came out later who got through all the game started talking about problems with the late game, with the Shadow War area area of it. Where if you do not pay into it or you get lucky with the orcs or you've built up your army by essentially grinding out earlier in the game, you are going to have a rough time. And people were talking about how it seems to be built around having to either buy in or just grind out the loot boxes to get the orcs. And the fact that the orcs were mostly in the loot boxes undermined the entire nemesis system, which, hey, look, they talk about right there. (laughs) Yeah, which the nemesis system from the first game was the best part about it because without the nemesis system it was roughly lord of the rings assassin's creed yeah let's see um uh, the core uh, promise of the nemesis system is the ability to build your relationships with your personal allies and enemies in a dramatic open world while purchasing orcs in the market is a more immediate and provides additional player options we have come to realize that providing this choice risks undermining the heart of our game. We told you this six fucking months ago. Ugh. Yep. I wonder why they have done this. Uh, Aside from just attempting to make a goodwill gesture, but... I mean, I don't know. Maybe we, just because we're the the enthusiasts and the cynics, but I don't see any sort of goodwill here. I think at this all. is mostly trying to get the long tail because they saw their sales drop off dramatically, particularly when it started coming around that the late game is a huge grind. It requires the loot boxes. And the fact that this is dropping around the time that their last DLC is coming out uh, really makes me think that. Let's see. What other Lord of the Rings games are on Steam? Just to do a little... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm wanting to... Hang on, let me read the portion for the Shadow Wars thing, because... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find it now, because... Uh, why is the Shadow Wars portion of the game being changed? Okay, here we go. With 
the addition of the endless siege, we uh, now are able to uh, to streamline the Shadow Wars and add a number of improvements to the presentation, along with new narrative elements, to provide a more cohesive experience. <sighs> this is just in- incredibly infuriating to me. I think this may piss me so off more than they putting loot boxes in the first place, is the fact that they're uh, removing them for the reasons that we uh, said that we uh, complained about, but they argued again six months ago. And it's not like they haven't had uh, a chance to articulate this you know, in the last six months. I really think that they saw uh, their sales drop. They uh, didn't see the money rolling in that they were expecting. They realized that the sales from the original uh, Shadow of Mordor was uh, a far superior by this point. And they traced it to the microtransactions. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I can think of. So Shadow of Mordor, it's, I mean, obviously it's pronouncing for a lot longer, but has between 4.3 and 4.4 million owners on Steam. With an all-time peak of 48,518, which that's probably launch time. Yeah. Usually those that big number is from launch. Yeah, usually. So let's see. Let's take a look at Shadow of War. Shadow of War between 693,000 and 747,000. Uh... All-time peak, 67,943. So, higher all-time peak, but much lower sales, even in relation to point in time. Because I looked all this up on VG Charts mm-hmm. um, when we were talking about it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And for the for the time period, Shadow of Mordor sales skyrocketed. But Shadow of War sales have pretty much stagnated. There's been no big improvement over time. There's just a trickle. It's done a lot more on console, but even its console numbers are not great. Well, did they uh, make any major improvements to the game itself, or other than you know sequel? I don't because think because so. I never really heard anyone talking brilliantly about the Nemesis system this time. There was a, I think there, there was, was a lot of talk last time, but this time, yeah, you know, it was mostly focused on the microtransactions. I think I remember from like uh, the Angry Joe's review of it talking about how the Nemesis system was a bit more refined, but um, not really like big improvements or anything. Just like little improvements, uh, incremental improvements. Nothing near as revolutionary as the system itself. Yeah, you know what I want to see? I want to see the Nemesis system in the hands of someone other than these chuckle fucks. Yeah, I would too. I'd love to see that come to other games. Because, honestly, I don't trust these guys anymore. It would be a great system for Ubisoft games. Pretty much all of them could utilize the Nemesis system to some degree. And Bethesda could probably do something with it. And obviously Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Can't really think of any more games off the top of my head that would probably benefit from it. 
Yeah, I, just a, a, an Elder Scrolls game with the Nemesis system. That would actually be very impressive. Yeah. Or a Nemesis-like system, because, you know, I imagine that it would uh, not be the full Nemesis system in a Bethesda game. Until I get modded in, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, the, the more I think about this, just the matter I get, and the more I read this, the matter I get, because uh, it's just uh, essentially turning our arguments, you know, validating every single one of them. Yep. And I don't see this really being... I don't see this as a positive yeah, at yeah, all. I don't see this as a positive uh, for consumers, because uh, this really just sets the precedent of putting loot boxes in for the high time when you're... Uh, Game is uh, top of the charts and then pulling them. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much any I mean, it triple rewards. Uh, yeah, any triple A that uh, puts in loot boxes is on my do not buy list. Yeah. But it does reward patient gamers like you yeah. and I, who very rarely buy a new game. I might be, you know, like I said, I, I'm tempted to buy it uh, in a year or two. Well, it's on Humble you know, Bundle. Obviously, after. And I could uh, divert my money away from Monolith. Yeah. Because fuck monolith. Actually, fuck him with a monolith. <laughs> um, but yeah. This is just bullshit. And crazy. Yeah, and I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> because you were... Co- I mean, I just don't see how it's a good thing. I yeah, really and people, don't. And like... people are praising them for uh, removing them. But here's something that gets more praise from me. Not putting this bullshit in in the first place. But this is a game that yeah. had, yeah, they had a controversy over a tribute to a dead colleague because they tried to sell it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the metaphor too little too late, I don't think has the ever idiom? applied quite so well to a, a video game. Or yeah, the idiom. Sorry. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's ever applied to a video game quite yeah, like this before. Yeah. This game. Okay. So. They took the gun, they shot themselves in the foot multiple times, they went to the hospital, uh, you know, got all healed up, came back home, found the gun again, and started shooting themselves in the foot again. <laughs> Only it took them about six months to get healed up, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it seems reasonable for gunshot wounds, though. Six months. Yeah, especially uh, with the amount of gunshots that they uh, put into their foot, and it was just a bloody stump. I'm actually surprised that they were able to put the foot back on. Uh, but They can do a lot these days. Yeah. yeah, and of course, we are seeing a lot of people praising this move. And I I do understand people that were very excited about this game, but uh, uh, skeptical or holding back because of the loot box system being excited. But I just don't understand the pretty much universal praise for this because... Of removing bullshit when they still put bullshit on in the first place. After bullshit. And then uh, controversy before that. And then, you know, turning every single one of our arguments around on us. Saying uh, essentially how great they are for listening to our arguments. Or agreeing with our arguments. After saying, no, no, it was player choice all along. I just don't understand the praise. But then again, I don't understand a lot of things in gamer culture, so... Get off my fucking lawn. Maybe I'm old. <laughs> Ugh. So, so I brought Alrighty. the rage on in Caffeine Rage there. 
There and you brought go. you along with me. Indeed. But now, let me bring you along to our next news topic, which is related, Honda. but different enough that we put it off by itself. Big Fish's casino video game constitutes illegal online gambling, a federal appeals court rules. Yeah, this is a mobile game, isn't it? Yes, it's a, I mean, it's a mobile well, casino game with slot machines and... Blackjack. You know, blackjack. No and hookers, though. <laughs> poker and, and things like that. And they ruled that it's uh, illegal gambling. This is in Washington. So uh, this is my comment about Washington State be, uh, being the charge now, because this is a lead into the argument about loot boxes being gambling. If the uh, actual casino games can be constituted as illegal gambling. And we've played uh, online casino games before together on stream night uh, a couple of times. Uh, uh, granted, it's not a bubble game, but. Four Kings Casino, and how can you look around that game and say it's not gambling? It's just baffling to me. Yeah, it's literally gambling. Um, in actual gambling. And what the ruling came down to saying was, was that the... I love the quote, by the way. <laughs> which which quote? Uh, despite collecting millions in revenue, Churchill Downs, like Captain Runo and Casablanca, purports to be shocked, shocked, to find that Big Fix Casino could be constituted as illegal gambling, we are not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what they said was, and I want to make sure I get this right. Um, what was it about having something having value? Uh, virtual chips. Without virtual chips, a, uh, a user is unable to play Big Fish Casino's various games. Judge uh, Million. De Smith of the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals wrote in his opinion Wednesday. Thus, if a user runs out of virtual chips and wants to continue playing Big Fish Casino, she, uh, this, uh, uh, the plaintiff was female, by the way, uh, she must buy more chips to have the privilege of playing the game. Likewise, if a user wins chips, the user wins the privilege of playing Big Fish Casino without charge. In some, these virtual chips extend to the privilege of playing Big Fish Casino. Mic drop. So, yeah, even though you cannot cash out for cash directly, the idea that having the privilege to uh, play the game free of charge constitutes a value, which has been the whole runaround of not only loot boxes, but these gambling games in general. I mean, pure gambling, like casino games. So we're seeing precedent set that could be extended quite far into other areas with these uh, randomization uh, monetization schemes. Yeah. I don't know what would be the next step. So this still has to hold up in court yeah. because obviously it's being appealed and so it's being run up the next level of the court system. Um, you think we're going to hear the words Big Fish Casino in a Supreme Court Rooney ruling? I think we will. Give it probably another year, year, year and a half, and there will be a Supreme Court case dealing with this. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know which one the next step would be. I don't know if it would be free-to-play games in general, because... Uh, the, what about the of... gotcha model? Uh, you know, uh, pay in and get uh, uh, the uh, uh, the loot crate lights, essentially. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know if it would go to one of those specific types of games or if it would just encompass free-to-play games in general. 
or maybe start big and work its way narrow. I don't know. Court cases get weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I would say loot boxes would be third, maybe fourth on the chopping block. Well, if, if this well, continues to gain traction. Well, it really depends on who sues, of course, because this is a woman that uh, put in $1,000 into the Big Fish Casino. And uh, why was she suing anyway? Uh, that's something that they didn't really comment on here. Uh, she claims to have spent more than $1,000 on this mobile game. Uh, the suit argues that the chips represent something of value, a vague clause within Washington State law's uh, gam- uh, governing gambling. So maybe she realized that she was breaking the law and decided to sue. That's something that wasn't particularly clear to me. It seems, I mean, my idea or thought process was that she wanted her money back because she felt like it was a waste. Or Um, uh, she felt that they may have been uh, tilting the odds because that's the other thing that uh, uh, is in big trouble with these uh, uh, casino games is that there's no regulation on them. And I know regulation in uh, government right now is a dirty word, but there's no standardization of the odds. And we've seen this with loot boxes where on uh, card packs and that sort of thing, where there's timers, there's uh, psychological tricks that they use to think, okay, maybe the next one be better instead of having flat odds, instead of having like a 25% chance of winning. If you lose too many times, it'll give you a win. Yeah. Um, gambling, like real world gambling is heavily regulated. Yeah, that's why I was talking about. Pretty much about. everywhere, as far as I know. So. Uh, for good reason. Yeah, There's a lot of uh, problems with gambling. Mm-hmm. A lot of psychological problems could be linked to gambling or a lot of psychological trickery could be used in gambling. So they have to uh, tie it down. So, yeah, I could definitely see where these unregulated games that could just tweak the odds on the fly, mind you, uh, could be in big, big trouble coming up. And while I don't really understand uh, games, well, uh, using the one that we played, uh, games like for uh, King's Casino, even operate because I don't, uh, are people, I realize I'm asking a loaded question here. Are people really that stupid to pay in that much money to be able to support these games? But then I realize the answer is probably yes. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go stupid for all of them, but... Gullible? Gullible, maybe, or maybe they do have lower inhibition control. And, I mean, you know, they are literally gambling, at least in, like, games like Forking Casino and stuff. Maybe they just pay to get that hit. But there are lots of games that you can play for free, even in Four Kings Casino, mm-hmm. and it gives you a fair amount of Yeah, chips. granted, we've never played this particular game, so we don't know how this uh, handles uh, compared to the others. But also, yeah, someone that has a gambling addiction goes into something like Four Kings, and even though it gives you a fair number of chips, they may have that urge to, uh, you know, bet it all at once on, you know, like, uh, number seven on roulette yeah because it's a free hit and then uh they lose it all and it's like well you wait uh two hours or an hour or whatever it was for the free timer to be able to get a you know, small sum of chips or i just pay five bucks 
Yeah, and it, and there's been research studies that have shown that people are much easier to spend money when they're not having to actually hand over money, be that buying something yeah. online or just purchasing something directly at a store with a credit card. So to them, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. And then they might wind up then that, you know, down the gambling rabbit hole. Yeah, and then that. But it's even worse than if you're day. actually gambling. Uh, that uh, credit bill comes in at the end of the month, and it's like that. There's that many numbers on my bill. Yeah, but it's even worse, in my opinion, than real gambling because at least in real gambling, you do have a tiny chance to win big. Yeah. But he, if you win big in this, you just get fake fake chips. Yeah, and uh, the lottery is even, with uh, more insidious uh, whenever you sit down and think about the odds. Yeah. But, uh, hey, it goes to pay for education, right? <laughs> uh, gotta love the irony of that. But then again, they don't teach odds in education anyway, or at least in uh, uh, the uh, school system here. Nope. Most people really don't understand how odds work. Well, uh, to be fair, our monkey brains don't really under- start to understand big numbers. It starts to become number salad. Yeah, well, even for small numbers, though, people really struggle. But Yeah, so uh, there, there was this great little segment on uh, Penn Tower's bullshit where uh, they were talking about numbers and how once you get past a certain point, it becomes uh, kind of an arbitrary thing and not, you know, you can imagine one of something. You can imagine three of something, five of something, then ten, depending on what it is, maybe a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, and becomes less of a set of things and more of just a word. So the thing, uh, the same thing applies to the odds just in general, and maybe that's why our big thing of wanting to see the odds on loot boxes in general is kind of a misnomer because you know seeing a point zero one percent chance on a loot box which actually PUBG has several things uh, tying it back to your mobile game uh they have to well they don't have to but they publish the odds on at least some of their loot boxes on pc or all of them i'm not sure which and some of the loot boxes have a point zero zero one percent chance to pull something which you sit down and figure out the actual odds of zero, a zero zero point one, or sorry point zero zero one, and you realize yeah you know, it takes you you know several thousand years uh, to to statistically get it yeah you know, without yeah you know, just pure luck. So yeah, yep. I like to uh, measure objects or measure large quantities, like turn it into something a little more understandable, like, you know, when you're getting into, like, the hundred thousands or the millions, it's like, well, that's, like, a house. Like, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. Like, that's a, a mm-hmm. decent home. It's like, okay, this is four homes. But how do, wow, you, that's but how do you deal with uh, uh, whatever you start reading about government uh, things and see billion or trillion? Um... Yeah, because that would be like millions of homes. Uh, usually I, yeah. I try and like, uh, honestly, it's really hard to wrap my mind mm-hmm. around. You know, like there's, there becomes a certain point where every, like, where your little tricks or my little tricks don't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when it gets to the trillions, I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Cause that's, 
unfathomable yeah. too. Uh, I may have to put our, the our monkey. I brains. may have to put the uh, pen teller thing on uh, the show notes because it's uh, it's something that you don't really think about. But he's uh, using the example of uh, well, he can't use the word M and M, so in and in. And uh, he has a bowl of uh, a thousand of them. But, you know, the, the thought of a thousand versus one bowl full, you know, one bowl, one bowl full wins versus how many individuals. Yeah. I've probably seen that episode because I, I like Pantillo's bullshit. I think I've seen all of mm-hmm. them or most of them, but it's been, that's one of those things I watched several years ago and like one long binge run. Yeah. I haven't, or binge run. And I haven't seen it since. Yeah, so I'll put that on the show notes. Because uh, it, it's one of those shows that uh, definitely deserves a, a good look at for a very particular topic. Sometimes they're, uh, I disagree with them. Sometimes uh, they definitely have their own agenda. I mean, they usually have their own agenda. But it's definitely worthwhile, especially on this numbers thing. It's a it's a a topic that I think people don't really consider. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to talk about fairy? Yeah, I think so. So. Oh wait, no. Sorry, skipping the valve oh. one. My bad. Valve removes steam machines from Steam storefront. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is three weeks essentially of steam machines. Uh, kinda. If we tie this into the Atari thing. On uh, April 1st, uh, Valve removed uh, the Steam Machines listings on, well, the store page, which kind of uh, shows where uh, Steam Machines have gone. Nowhere. Yep. The, the Steam yep. Machine was such, uh, it's an interesting idea that was never marketed. We've talked about that before. And why I think the Atari Vapor Box. Uh, assuming it ever, uh, uh, you know, it ever becomes non-vapor, uh, is doomed to failure. I, I, I wish I, I hope I'm wrong with that, but honestly, I don't see a good uh, market for it. And this just shows that even Valve can't get it right, and they have a, a captive audience. But then again, they're typically trying to sell to the, an audience that has gaming PCs. Yep. And we don't need those. We don't need Steam Machines. Yeah, well, we need is Steam Links. I have one of those. Yeah, well, I've been thinking about grabbing one. Uh, they, they've been selling them dirt cheap uh, several times. And it seems like they're popular. So maybe Valve has realized that the Steam Machine, it's a concept that doesn't quite fit in the uh, grand scheme of things. And the uh, Steam Link, a small uh, streaming-based uh, computer, works a lot better. But uh, you did yeah. say uh, before uh, recording that you did get uh, were able to sell one. So, uh, hey, I think you did better than yeah. Valve. Yeah, I um a um a mom who is a uh, an acquaintance of mine was wanting to get, or her son was wanting to get into PC gaming last year, and her son's like nine or ten, um, and this lady she's very nice, but she's not technically. Uh, inclined. So I wasn't going to try and explain building a PC. I wasn't going to try and step in and do that for them. So I talked about like what her budget was and what, 
she wanted and what her son wanted. And uh, I actually wound up recommending one of the Steam machines to her. And I mean, I don't remember which one. It was something like $800. Um, uh, depending on the Steam machine, some of them were uh, a big ripoff and some of them were actually really good deals. And this was even before GPUs jumped in price and RAM jumped in price. Uh, ironically enough, wasn't the Alien one, uh, Alienware one, one of the better deals? Yeah, it was. Um, what bizarre world do we live in? Yeah. It wasn't the Alienware one, though, because the ones that were the better ones were out of her price range, I believe. And then the cheaper one, like the base level one was something like 500 bucks, I think. But it had like an i3 and uh, something like a GTX 950 or 960 in it. And it was just a little bit underpowered for the types of games that her son wanted to, to play. But yeah, sold a Steam machine last year. Well, did better than Valve on selling them. Yeah, it would Honestly, seem. I, I, I'm not sure how they would be able to approach this because uh, outside of just trying to sell them you know, through commercials, which was more down to the individual uh, manufacturer than Valve itself, uh, there's not really a marketplace to do this because whenever you're uh, displaying it on the Steam storefront, you're displaying it to the wrong, wrong audience for the most part, unless they're trying to count on word of mouth. Yeah. I almost bought one of these a couple of years ago. One of them. Because um, it was... I was going to have to spend quite a bit of money <coughs> excuse me, to upgrade my PC. And I was like, well, I could just buy one of these, one of these Steam machines, one of the higher end ones. And it'll be maybe a little more expensive, but it'll just come, and then I'll have two computers, and I can do something with this computer, and then I wound up going with the upgrade route anyways, because there was really no point in buying a Steam machine. Mm -hmm. But now I have three computers sitting around me, and a fourth one that I'm getting to work on as a project, so, you know, I got computers coming out my ass. Well, that sounds like a shitty situation. Indeed. But then again, we... Indeed. Uh, is that another one of your kinks? <laughs> no, I'm not really into poo all that much. Well, I was talking about computers in your butt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll put anything in my butt. Just stuff being in my butt is one of my things, you know. So if the computer's up there, that's fine with me. But uh, some of the, the pages for the individual Steam machines... Are still up, like yeah, but, the one for the Alienware yeah, the whole, is still up, but uh, it uh, subsection of Steam uh, it was pulled down. Yeah, and even the ones that are still up, they all now just link to the uh, to an external site. Well, they mostly did anyway, didn't they? Some of them did. Some of them did not. Some of them you could like go through all of the customizations and everything on Steam, and it just had the little drop downs like DLC, and you could pick which one you wanted. I think those are the ones, though, that Valve sponsored or commissioned or something. Yeah, I also remember the Pinion. Remember that? That uh, at first looked like it was from Valve itself. It Was was that the weird triangle that, that thing? That was the handheld one. Or the, the handheld size, I should say. The little block thing. I guess I don't remember the Pinion, then. 
at least if memory serves correctly. Uh, but now I'm having trouble finding it because it's a generic term. Right. And that's the problem with uh, these is if they don't catch on, then they just, you know, get lost in Google. Uh, but yeah, it's just, we're seeing a bit of a resurgence on this, uh, on these, well, not really set top because, yeah, flat screen. Uh, but the entertainment center computer again, at the same time, Valve is pulling out of the market. So it's kind of a weird, where are we going with this? And can someone find a market for it? Because that's going to be the real uh, thing. Can someone break through, find this uh, missing piece of the puzzle to pull everything together? Because the, I do think the idea is sound, but nobody's been able to sell the damn things. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm still looking for opinion, but I can't find anything. Uh, maybe I'm uh, misremembering the term because I, I remember it being something like opinion. Uh, let me do one more. And no, I'm not finding it, which is annoying oh, because well. it, it was actually a interesting idea. It was a very, very small computer. It was uh, using uh, some uh, custom parts and it was able to be upgraded. But, oh, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is this? No, that is not it. Oh, and no, that's not it either. But even though that's a similar uh, size, but uh, also you know, we're there's a lot of small computers out there nowadays. Yeah, there is. There are. So that's something else I would uh, that these full blown steam boxes are having to deal with is that people that are in the market for a set I keep using the term set pop because I'm old but the the style of computer will just use a steam link because they typically have a strong enough computer already they're they're in a weird weird place in the market they have to capture a new market share they have to they have to essentially pull a Nintendo Wii and figure out somewhere outside of uh, the general market and so far, they haven't done that. Yeah, and I'm not sure that they will at this point. Anything can happen, but I think that they're giving up. Just pushing this one under the rug. And moving on. Uh, moving on to just, Feria? Yeah, just like we're going to. We're going to move on to Feria. Yeah, speaking so of, I'm going to pull yeah, you. Speaking of a very, very weird moves, Feria is going pay to play, or as they put it, to play and uh, I've played Feria quite a bit and I have concerns about this move because yeah they're talking about how they haven't been able to strike a proper balance between uh, paying in and getting free content and I definitely see that because they are extremely generous with their free to play model to the point where I was able to buy their first expansion Pretty much just playing single player content without really any issue whatsoever. I was a little bit behind the curve, but not much. And I didn't really play multiplayer anyway, so it didn't matter to me. So I definitely see where they're going to be having an issue. But pay to play for a card game? How are they going to run this? Because if they do... Uh, what well, we've talked about the idea of a living card game on PC. 
are they going to do a living card game? And they've talked about uh, DLC support. So living card game, you get the full set and DLC to get expansions. That is an interesting and dangerous move because they're, they're having to deal with that paywall. Yeah. I hope it works for them, though. I like the idea of a living card game. Yeah, and I really liked Fairy. It's just I was more playing on mobile because I enjoyed picking up and playing a couple games, and they've actually canceled their mobile version, which is also really weird. They had a functioning mobile game, and they had it limited to Canada and Norway. I was able to get a download of the beta version, and it was working for quite a while until Google, uh, you know, tied down uh, the uh, uh, locations, uh, location-based betas like that. So it knocked me off of that, and they decided that it wasn't working out. They said, "We understand this will be disappointing to some of you. Uh, through our testing observations, gathered data, and extensive internal analysis, we determined that." As it is, Ferry is not up to par for modern mobile experience, and we want it to be without major overhauls to its iOS and Android versions. And I just don't see where that's the case. It worked perfectly well. I, I not understand where they're uh, seeing the problem. It's just a head-scratcher to me, just it, this entire thing in general. And I'm pretty sure this isn't an April Fool's joke. Yeah, it doesn't look like an April Fool's joke. I, I mean, if it is... uh. Uh, you know, then uh, hats off to him for you know, pulling one over on us. But this was announced several days ago. This was announced on the 30th. So, you know, a couple days before April Fool's. So, you know, I think that's a, a safe barrier, right? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but they um, basically said that they aren't getting enough money and uh, free to play. And the thing is that we've seen a lot of games go pay to play uh, after... Uh, being free and they has any of them turned out well i can't think of a single one uh yeah neither can i yeah i'm uh i really think that this may be the beginning of the end for Ferrier, which is a shame because i really like the concept i like the deeper card game uh for those who don't know Feria, which uh, you can still play for free, and if you do before you, uh, they make the changeover, you do get to keep it. So maybe this is an uh, influx of new players for them as well, which is actually a bad thing now. Uh, it's a, 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 a CCG, uh, at least for now it's a CCG, uh, where as you play, you build out a hex grid map. And instead of a straight-up battle like in Hearthstone and pretty much every other CCG, it's a turn-based strategy game uh, with a, a territory control. Uh, uh, d- depending on your uh, your deck composition, you want to summon different lands. And uh, every turn, you're able to either place down the land on the hex grid, get extra mana, or draw an extra card. And there's a, a really in-depth uh, strategic element to it, but it just never took off. And I'm not sure if it's because of the deeper uh, combat, uh, if uh, it's because matches ended up taking a bit longer because of the strategic layer, or if it just never really got out there. But, yeah, it's uh, this is just a complete head-scratcher to me. Yeah, well, I don't really have much to add because I've never played Feria before. I downloaded it and installed it 
and have intended to play it a number of times, but I've never gotten around to it. Well, uh, probably should uh, uh, somewhere in the near future if you want to continue playing it without paying. Yeah. I mean, I wish them the best, but I'm with you. I don't quite see how this is going to work out in their favor. Usually it goes the other way. Paid to free to play. I mean, hell, we saw uh, probably the funniest one is still uh, Robocraft Royale that came out paid and then within 24 hours went free to play. Yeah. Uh, But they're talking pretty much about uh, going to do monthly content. Or they've been doing monthly content. Uh, What we can reveal is that Faria's next card expansion will come at the same time as the Battleplay relaunch early this summer. And from then on, they'll be uh, uh, releasing a new content every single month as DLC, which I can see a a plus and a minus to this. For one, you are getting a lot of content, but that could also lead to a lot of power creep and a lot of you know, DLC that is just negated because new stuff comes out. This is such a well, this is a bold move and a very dangerous one. Yeah, I agree. And also, it really depends but, on how much like single-player content they also focus on, because there is a lot of single-player stuff. But, you know, these games really live and breathe on their multiplayer and their matchmaking, and they haven't really had enough numbers to do proper matchmaking. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Indeed. So that was your news topic. My news topic, Fortnite removes 30 FPS mode from consoles. <laughs> so I just thought that this was humorous. There's a little, one line in the most recent uh, patch notes for the game uh, where that they talk about making some optimizations to the uh, console version of the game. And the game has got two modes. Uh, it's got basically a graphics mode, which makes everything look nicer. And then uh, frame rate mode or performance mode, which keeps the game at roughly 60 FPS. Um, but they've managed to make it run at the higher graphical fidelity at 60 FPS. And so they just took the 30 FPS mode out. But what about the cinematic experience? Yeah, where I'm looking for it right now. Uh, I should have had this prepared. But, yeah, you know, especially, professionals yeah, especially, and all yeah, that. Yeah, as I was rambling about uh, Faria. Let's see. Gameplay. Removed 30 FPS mode from Xbox One and PS4. In version 3.4, we made some significant GPU optimization, which improved visual quality, including resolution in 60 FPS mode. And we now feel there's very, li- very little reason to play at 30 FPS. And it's got a little note, developer comment. <laughs> so basically... Yeah, why would you play it at less than 60 FPS? The cinematic experience, of course. Isn't that the bullshit? PC Master Race. Isn't that the bullshit that was uh, being touted about for quite a while uh, for 30 FPS locks? Especially on PC versions for a bit. Get get that cinematic experience, because obviously the human eye can't see above 30 frames a second. Am I right? Uh, Unless you're blind, then it can't see above zero. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah i just i thought that was humorous and also duh i play um i mean for some games the I world don't mind at- a lower frame rate uh, but it also depends for one the speed of the game yeah 
It doesn't really matter too much what the frame rate is in, say, a visual novel. Well, what if I want high frame rate uh, anime boobies? Well, then just go watch porn. Yeah, but then I'm uh, limited to 30 there. There's 60 FPS porn. Yeah, but then it looks weird. It does look kind of weird. Why don't we split the difference? 45. <laughs> that was what the uh, the Hobbit movies came out at. I didn't know the Actually, Hobbit I think it was, was 48. It's 48 is what they came out at, which I liked, but at 48 frames a second, you can see a lot of the makeup work and the props look a little more fake just because you get a crisper image. And so they knocked it back down. But I prefer the higher frame rate. Yeah, but since when it was a porn? Oh, there's been several Lord of the Rings themed porns. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I remember one from... Oh boy, I, I think I opened up a can of worms here. Was I in high school? I think I was in high school. And my parents got like the massive thousand TV channel package or whatever. And that included a number of pornography they channels. they didn't know about them. And they didn't know about them. you did. And so I watched a lot of really bad knockoff porn movies before I had high-speed internet uh, in, like, middle school or early high school. I think we got high-speed internet when I was a sophomore in high school. So, yeah, somewhere in that that period. And now I'm just just flashing back to the... South Park episode that was pseudo Lord of the Rings with the porn video. Yeah, the 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 movie was called or the porn movie was Lord of the G Strings. <laughs> yep. Oh uh, well, I think I know what you're Re- downloading tonight. Remember that one well. I'm I'm gonna Google that right now. I'm not putting that in the show notes. Lord of the G Strings. Yep. Yep, this is it. It's got a 3.8 on IMDb. I'm surprised it's on... No, no, I take that back. No, I'm not surprised it's on IMDb. The Female Ships of the String. Excellent. Would this be... No, it's not old enough to be vintage born. Released in 2003. Anyways. Moving on. 14, uh, uh, 14 years? Yeah. 14 or 15, depending yeah. on exactly when it released. But yes, moving on from that. Was that our last topic? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And we are over time. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and cut that. Uh, Being commercial about that. Yeah. I'll be commenting about it bef- another year. And before we dive into Community Corner, I need to take a quick break. Let's head on over to the Community Corner the where corner? we have... Yeah, it's the Kyle Corner this week where we have an audio letter from Kyle and a tweet that revolves around Kyle, which is from Kyle. But uh, we'll start with the audio letter first. Greetings, Jay Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming to you from my uh, recording studio that can move at 50 miles an hour. Yes, it is an in-transit audio letter. Fact of the matter is, uh, I'm not probably going to have time to record something in my quote-unquote studio. So, yeah, this is as good as we're going to get. 
One long take, all bloopers in. So, that having been said, let's motherfucking do this. So, earlier in the week, I made a tweet about uh, math proving a gut feeling that I had right. And that gut feeling was that nuclear is superior to uh, solar in Factorio. Now, every single, like, message board that I've ever been on has always said, well, solar is a build-it-and-forget-it sort of thing, whereas nuclear, you need to uh, feed resources. And I'm thinking, all right, well, yeah, that makes sense. I guess solar's the better, uh, solar's the better choice. But then there was that little voice in the back of my brain that said, well, hold on, how is that possibly possible? In the real world, nuclear is way, way more power-efficient than solar. So then I went and I did some digging. And yeah, I guess if you want to uh, just put a thing down and forget about it, you can do that. And I guess both are viable. So how do you determine which is better? And the way that I came up with a way to measure this was essentially which one costs more per 40 megawatts. And the reason I'm doing 40 is because that is the smallest reactor that you can build and still get everything out of it. So my assumptions. You're building a solar field that can produce 40 megawatts. It doesn't really matter how this is set up. It just needs to be big enough to produce 40 megawatts. The nuclear reactor is going to be as small as possible, i.e. it's not just going to have pipes leading all the way across like your base in order to get water and steam to where they need to go. It's going to be constructed somewhat efficiently, but other than that, it's going to just have the kind of infrastructure to keep itself going at 40 megawatts uh, basically forever. We're going to also assume that the Covarex enrichment process isn't in place simply because that basically is like nuclear cheating. Uh, so here's how I came up with. Solar panels throughout the day produce an average of 42 kilowatts at any one time, even at night once you average it out. So uh, if we take a look at what would it take to get 40 megawatts of solar in raw resources, and I'm measuring raw resources in things like copper plates, steel, and any sort of, uh, any sort of material that is the same between the two of them, i.e. liquid stuff like sulfuric acid. So uh, the solar field that would be needed to produce one 40 megawatt field is 45,267.5 resources. That's copper, that's uh, steel, and that's iron. So, cool. What does a 40 megawatt reactor cost? Well, 8,125 resources. So, nuclear winds, right? Well, hold on there, Skippy. You also probably want your factory running at night, because that 40 megawatts of solar is only going to be on during the day. So, a quick trip to the Factorio uh, wiki, and we have a value of 20 accumulators per megawatt. Now, accumulators, uh, in order to get 20 accumulators to hold 40 megawatts, uh, you need 89,600 uh, raw resources in order to be able to uh, get the output that you would need over the course of the night. Now, the accumulators charge and discharge at uh, 300 kilowatts. So, that means you're going to need an extra 300 kilowatts per megawatt uh, of solar panels. Wow, that made no sense. You're going to need an extra 300 kilowatt producing solar panels uh, for every megawatt of accumulators that you have. I.e., uh, you're going to need an extra 13,585 resources 
And that brings the total for solar up to 148,452.5 resources in order to make one nuclear reactor. So, yeah, that makes sense. Then you also need to look at how much it takes to mine and refine the uh, uranium in order to keep the nuclear fuel uh, running. So, let's assume, again, you're just concerned about keeping this thing going and you're not looking at hitting the critical number of 40 bits of uranium-235 in order to keep the Covarex enrichment process eventually going in the future. We're not worried about that. We just want our 40 megawatt reactor online now. So the total uh, raw resources for a centrifuge comes out to 890 resources. So that means we're looking at uh, about 9,000-some. I forgot to write that number down. I'm in my car. I'm not about to do math. Uh, It comes out to like 9,000... Shit. Point is, it's like 9,000, and there's some math, and I will include a... uh, I will include a spreadsheet at some point in the future with graphs that you can play with in order to take a look at all of this. So, for each uh, cycle of the centrifuge is 10 seconds, and it has a 0.07%, I'm sorry, it has a 0.7% chance of yielding uh, uranium-235, which means every 1,000 cycles, it will yield roughly 7 uranium-235. So, we divide that by how... uh, by how much time it takes to run a cycle, and we come up with 33.33 minutes, or 33 minutes and 22 seconds. Which, hey, look at that. That's also about how long it takes a reactor to burn through that, so we're good to go. Uh, The uranium input required takes uh, sulfuric acid, specifically 10 sulfuric acid for functionally one bit of uranium-238 or uranium-235. So let's just simplify that. That means every cycle of 33 minutes and 20 seconds, you will need 10,030 raw materials. Uh, That is 10,000 units of sulfuric acid, 10 units of iron, uh, 19 units of uranium-238, and 1 unit of uranium-235. So how does this work? Well, this basically comes out to an equation which uh, I will sum thusly. Uh, 148,452.5 equals uh, the total number of raw resources that it takes to build a centrifuge and that reactor setup that I was mentioning. Uh, Then we go ahead and multiply plus x uh, times 10,030. Once we solve for everything and then factor down to uh, the time, we get 13.89 cycles. Multiplied by 33.33, simplified down into time. So it will take 7 hours, 42 minutes, and 57 seconds for the uh, solar pan. Oh my god, I'm sorry. The solar plant to go ahead and beat the nuclear reactor as far as resource efficiency. And it just gets worse for solar from there. Even though you are having to throw more turbines and heat exchangers at a reactor uh, once you start getting into reactor heating bonuses. Uh, you still need a massive solar field. And I'm not sure if there's ever an eclipse point where solar would be better than nuclear, but uh, in a two-reactor setup, assuming 160 megawatts from your reactor setup and requiring that from a solar field, the new time would come out to 11 hours, 21 minutes, and 52 seconds. fact of the matter is, that is a long-form way of saying, ha, I was fucking right, everybody who doubted me. Um, But, uh, yeah, so my research has found that nuclear is more viable as an economical 
uh, energy source in Factorio than solar. And, I mean, of course, that makes sense. It is in the real world, too. Was there a point to this? I don't know. I just did some math, and I thought it was interesting. And whatever math validates a gut feeling I have, I always feel slightly smug and superior to the people who just went with their gut feeling that, well, you don't have to feed it, uh, therefore it's better. I don't know. This has been Kyle. Thanks for listening to my mad ramblings. Uh, I will provide a link for the uh, spreadsheet uh, when I get it done. All right. Have a good night, you guys. Well, thank you, Kyle, for an informative deep dive into Factorio. I think I went uh, kind of cross-eyed there for a bit. I mean, I, not lying. I, I have no idea what he's talking about. Wait, that, I can say that every week, can't I? I mean, I get what he's talking about. And I would li- I would be lying if I said I hadn't done some experimentation myself. But I didn't do math. Well, I did basic math. I didn't we'll do spreadsheet plus- level math. Three, carry the two. Start taking off uh, your socks, which I know is blasphemy for you. Count your toes. I don't know. Sometimes I like to be barefoot. It depends. I'm barefoot right now. Oh, my. And I have socks on. Oh, my. And they're blue. But, yeah. Thanks for the informative romp through Factorio. I both appreciated it and also drooled over. Yeah, I got, I, I did have something to talk about from this, actually. And not just the number salad, but more the uh, kind of just uh, uh, nuclear uh, uh, reactors in gaming in general and them getting need to be fed like crazy. Isn't the entire point of a nuclear generator, at least in real life, that it could go years between your refuelings? Um, the nuclear reactors uh, it, in Factorio... Well, that and also they're highly efficient. Yeah, the nuclear reactors in Factorio actually don't go through fuel very fast. Um, it's a big oh, well, process I guess to get... just made it sound like it required a lot more. No. Um, yeah, they don't go through, through fuel very fast. It's a big process to actually make the fuel for them. But compared to the other... Um, fuel generation method, which actually uses fuel, which would be uh, burners and the steam engines. I mean, the steam engines use fuel at a much faster pace than the nuclear reactors do. I've, I've actually not done like any sort of math or timing on it, but I would say that burning uh, or the rate at which it uses up nuclear fuel is probably... Oh, one fuel rod every five to ten minutes, which, you know, compared to real life, that's super fast. But, I mean, you're going through 50, um, well, depending on what type of fuel source you're burning in your uh, furnaces, anywhere from a couple of hundred to 50 units of fuel in that same time period. I wonder if a Google search will give me the answer. Well, it's just, uh, you know, I'm uh, just comparing it to like, uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to find it here. Um, from one kilogram of uranium-235, uh, it, it, approx- it 
makes eight. Uh, I'm not sure what the <laughs> abbreviation on that is. Heat that could uh, come from one kilogram of coal, approximately 12. Uh, okay. So one kilogram of uranium-235 uh, creates 24 million, I guess that's kilowatt hours of heat uh, versus one, uh, sorry, eight kilowatt hours of heat generated from one kilogram of coal. So, you know, the, just the absurd energy density. And just, it's something that's always kind of not really rubbed me the wrong way, but kind of just puzzled me on how nuclear reactors are viewed in uh, video games where there, I realize there has to be some sort of balance in between how uh, uh, game mechanics work versus real life works, but it, it kind of gives uh, Duke's uh, unfair shake, doesn't it? Let's see. What's the best way to do this math? Uh, for me, it would be poorly. So, the most feasible fuel source to use um, would be solid fuel, which produces 25 megajoules of energy per one unit. Uh, uranium fuel produces 8 gigajoules per one unit. So that's 320 times more efficient or more more fuel that you get out of it. Um, if that makes sense the way I'm saying it. Yeah, I guess I guess it's just, you know, the whole energy density and it's not ever really shown properly in video games. But then again, video games, you would build one nuclear reactor, put a fuel rod in and you're done. Yeah, because uh, a fuel. Uh, well, uh, well, here's a better example. One kilogram of uranium two thirty five contains two to three million times the energy equivalent of oil or coal. Just absurd, huh? Yeah. Nuclear all the way. Nah, gotta have that beautiful clean coal, right? I mean, no. <laughs> In game, I prefer nuclear power to solar power. Um, sometimes I even skip solar power well, altogether. I, I usually do wind up smaller footprint as well. Oh, much smaller. I usually wind up with a little bit of solar power, anyways, just because it's a good way to boost your power without boosting your pollution value and that sort of mid game right before you get to nuclear power. The one area which solar power is in my mind better than nuclear power is how easy it is to produce solar panels and uh batteries as compared to how it is to produce nuclear power uh the whole the whole system just because there's so much more research involved and then you have to have a a completely new production chain to get your nuclear fuel i mean once it's working it's way better but there's sort of that middle area where you're like, I don't have the power that I need and I either have to increase my pollution footprint, thereby increasing the amount of alien attacks or invest in solar, which uh, the amount of power that it produces per the amount of area that it takes up in order to actually produce the power is not very good. That's 
part's not very efficient, but at least you're not creating new pollutants. And it's fairly predictable with how it increases, just because it's a linear power increase. So, you know, in-game there's reasons for using it, there's reasons for not. But in well, my opinion, like, as way. soon as I can uh, go... If you use solar, you don't have all the hippies showing up uh, to protest. Go green, man. <laughs> and the bugs are the hippies. With less tada. But some people, though, do prefer the convenience of having solar panels. You just throw them out there and forget about them. As long as they don't get attacked by the aliens. Yeah, but then you have to go dust but them every just, so uh, often. Or, you know, in between eating potatoes. <laughs> Indeed. So... Yeah, I kind of want to play Factorio now. I still want to go back to it I at go. some point, but I think I am after it releases. Yeah. I don't think it would be a good game club game, though. No. Besides, we have one big game on the docket already. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But what about that tweet that Kyle okay, says? Okay, the uh, tweet is... Okay, let's dive down the rabbit hole then. Can we really, uh, can we be sure reality is in my head? In my head, is reality our perception of time and space beyond the boundaries of our brain limitations? Do we have uh, a universe of understanding the uh, the universe in our heads? Discuss. And I think I've gone cross out again. And if we're in Kyle's head, um, can we get some more leg room, please? <laughs> Unfortunately, there were no replies to that. Well, he always Were there? Sent, uh, sent it very recently, and he sent it at us, so it meant only people that followed both of us uh, could see it. I'm going to think of a reply and send it later. Maybe we can revisit this tweet next week. Man. <laughs> I did sound a little funny because my cough drop got stuck between my teeth while I was talking. Yeah, we've talked too much. Both of us. We have indeed. Um, Do you want to do Discovery Q uh, this week, I'll, or do you I want to skip it? I would still like to do Discovery Q if, we, uh, if you're feeling up to it. Okay. Nope, I can I can go through one Q so fairly quickly. So let's hit the uh, music. And I got something that looks interesting pretty much immediately, once again. Go for it. Long Gone Days, a 2D modern-day character-driven RPG that combines elements from visual novels, shooters, and a dystopian fiction. It's in early access, so it's going to go on the wish list for now, but it's cheap. It looks interesting, at least. Uh, I'm not too sure about the overworld art style, though. It's not quite pixel-arty, uh, but uh, it's... Yeah, yeah, not. It's a very weird, weird art style. It has some very interesting elements in it, though. So it's definitely worth a look. At, when did this release? It, oh, it released uh, last week, so not a lot of time with it yet. So we'll have to see if this goes through early a uh, access well. Looks like some clunky uh, menus and movement according to some reviews, but overall, not too bad at looking. Oh, God. I got one Train Valley 2 It's a cute Train Puzzle game 
And I mean, one, I have to get this for myself, and two, I have to get this and play it with my son. Because he loves train games. I'm not really sure if there's anything to say about it. It's just a really simple, sort of grid-based, or it looks grid-based, train game. And you're doing some puzzles and trying to get the stuff where it needs to go. Train Valley. Electric Boogaloo. Okay, so this is more of a puzzle game. At least the first one was more of a puzzle game. Because I've played the first one. And it was... You built the train tracks, but then it was basically get thing A to from point A to point B. So it says this one, though, is a tycoon puzzle game? So more management-based? So I don't know. Maybe. It's only ten bucks. Hmm, there wasn't a certain mech commander game coming out in less than three weeks. I might just buy this right now. Hell, I might just buy it anyways. Well, I'm I don't know, I'll think about I'm it. I'm still building up resources. Looks like I sold something else, though, uh, if my uh, wallet uh, balance is correct. So, I got something else. I'm still early on my queue. Golem Gates. A RTS slash card game. Uh, Golem Gates uh, blends elements of real-time strategy and card battle. Collect cards called glyphs, containing your forces and power. Strategically weave them into a deck and prepare them for battle, then unleash them into a streamlined, fast-paced battle. Very interesting. It really depends on if this is single-player focused or multiplayer focused, though, because these games never really take off if they're multiplayer focused. Let's see, this is by Laser Guided Games, which only has a handful of games out, so I'm not sure about uh, them. It doesn't look that bad, though. Uh, graphically, I mean. I mean, it's your pretty much bog-standard sci-fi style. But, yeah, it has a high graphical fidelity, so it doesn't look cheap. Yeah, that showed up in my queue lo- while you were talking about it. looks like uh, it's getting pretty good praise all around. So that's going to be something to look for. It's in the sort of mid-tier range on indie games. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. I got one. Equimagic. The Gala Show of Horses. Um, so the reason this game appeals to me is because it says, Magnificent horses and glittering costumes. Become a star in the Gala Show of Horses. Unique horse show simulation with breathtaking horse dressing, grandiose costumes, and stage sets. I want to look fabulous on a horse. Fabulous or fabulous? For only $10, I can look fabulous on a horse. And I'm all about that. Because when I ride horses in real life, it just doesn't look right because I'm fat. (laughs) It's just a big blob of fat rolling around on top of a horse. What you did is a Clydesdale. My, uh, My grandmother used to own a couple of Clydesdales, but after my grandpa died, she got rid of them. So I... I was like 10 the last time I was next to a Clydesdale. And those things are fucking huge, especially when you're 10. But yeah, I've, I've ridden horses a number of times before. It's been a while. I don't like riding horses. I don't really like have your, uh, animals. Uh, have your uh, junk repeatedly hit? Yeah, that's no fun. Uh, so, uh, how about something that 
may be fun, uh, depending on how it turns out. Uh, I got another one. Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age. I've never played a Dragon Quest game outside of maybe the original, only a little bit at an acquaintance's house. And it's one of those that I never really remembered the name of until I saw, you know, pretty much the bog standard slime enemy at some point later. Like, oh, that's what that game was. Uh... It, this really depends on how Square Enix handles this, because Square Enix has been all over the fucking place on their ports, and this doesn't release for another five months. So, you know, this is going to be long-term. And I have to say, maybe it's just me. Uh, Jared, go look at the screenshots for this game. Look at screenshot number three. It just looks so weird. The, the world versus the characters. It looks like they've pasted the characters into an actual photo. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. I've played a couple of Dragon Quest games before. Yeah, uh, maybe it's I just like the, them. The, uh, the, the characters have this uh, anime uh, uh, styling to them, but then they went further realistic for the world, and it's just a weird juxtaposition. But it really depends on how they handle this, because, yeah, uh, Square Enix... Well, they talked about having to fix uh, Chrono Trigger, because... They completely fucked up Chrono Trigger. Granted, I don't think this is a port, is it? This is a new game, or is it a port? I don't follow the Dragon Quest games at all. I'm not sure. I don't follow them either. I think the last Dragon Quest game I played was 8 or 9. And this is 11, so... Technically, it could be more than that, because I don't know if it's Dragon Quest 11, Echoes of an Elusive Age, uh, just like, looks like it a sub-game or something. It is a it was released last year on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo DS. So this is a port, so it really depends on how they handle the port. And also which version we're getting. <laughs> because that's an another thing. But, you know, something to keep an eye on. <laughs> I, I misread the title of this. I I'm not going to put it on the list because, it you know, it's a completely crap. It's mostly negative, so... Yeah, but it's My Little Farmies, and I at a glance I read it My Little Furries. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be all about that. Hmm. Okay, next one was a interesting one. I must get the good discovery cues this uh, these days because I'm only halfway through. Yeah, I'm already done with my cue. One deck dungeon. This is a. Looks like a dice-based roguelite. Almost uh, tabletop-ish uh, uh, on its uh, presentation. Uh, but then you build, uh, put them in some sort of box for attacks. So, uh, I've played a few mobile games like this where you're rolling dice and then you have to match particular icons to do uh, certain attacks. So, this isn't a new thing, but... It's very, very basic in its presentation, but it could work out, depending on just how they handle it and how they bounce it, of course. It's in early access, 15 bucks. Interesting. See, a the hit roguelite adventure, I'm assuming this is a mobile game. Uh, go search that for me while I continue on, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, it's uh, one one deck yeah, dungeon. One deck dungeon. Uh, I mean, they say uh, the hit roguelite adventure that captures all uh, 
Oh, so it, they act like it's already been out, so it, it sounds like a mobile game. Something just fell down, either outside or in the kitchen. <laughs> this game has you written all over it. Looks like it's a board okay. game. Like a physical board game that now has a digital release on Steam. I don't see it on mobile anywhere, though. I'm double-checking, though. I'm actually going to search the stores in case a result Okay, Meteor 60 Seconds. Meteor 60 Seconds is a simple-form, fun, comic-like action game that simulates your life if there was a meteor hitting towards Earth and you had 60 seconds left to live and you're doing random shit. So, yeah. Basically, punching people, streaking, that sort of thing. It's free-to-play. So I'm not sure if they're doing any monetization or if this is just them getting worried out, but has to get some sort of traction to pop up a my discovery key right now. It's supposed to be somewhat a funny game. And it doesn't look like it's complete cancer art-wise. Well, that's always good to hear. Son of... I'm getting all sorts of good stuff. But my, my choice for uh, end-of-the-year discovery queue is going to be uh, a tough one. Exiled Kingdoms. Run freely through a huge open world with dangerous ancient secrets and adventure. The old school RPG with a challenging environment. Uh, an old school uh, uh, action RPG with a challenging environment. So, very retro looking. It looks like it's from the late 90s. But, yo, know, that doesn't really mean that much these days. Uh, especially with uh, things like Wasteland 2 and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, definitely interesting if you're into CRPGs, especially open world ones. But don't worry, only three left. And that one's shit, I think. Yeah. That one's shit. And last one... Uh, doesn't look that good. So, yay, we're done. We, we've escaped the music. And entered the part of the podcast where I go first. Uh, if you want to see me on the YouTubes, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. And the new content that this week is very light. Some more Kerbalcast archives. And that's about it, because it was Easter. And I was gone for from Friday to Monday at my parents' house. And usually during the weekends when I write stuff, if there's writing, and then record. If there's so. recording. Nothing, if there's recording. So nothing new this week on that front, aside from Divinity, which uh, I haven't scheduled the one for tomorrow, so I should do that. Yeah, but it's on YouTube, not a bad so idea. That will be easy to do. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. I tweet about all kinds of things. And if you want to watch me stream games on Twitch or see the broadcasts that I put up, such as reruns of this show where you can go live and... Uh, comment about things that we're saying in real time, and then I'll go back and I'll look at them. Wait, you go back and look at them? I do that. I do? You can find that over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. Also, if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests from you. So far, all lovely people. And if you would slow them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, or leave it in Twitch chat form to hear, the password for this week is Booby. <laughs> Booby. Very pertinent. 
for freaking content in like six months. Yeah. Oh, so while your channel is winding down, mine is returning to full power because I've replaced uh, Civilization, which turned into a the, uh, the mid-game slog turned uh, even worse. I just had bad map, and I didn't want to re-roll and you know, restart the what I did for four or five episodes, which that you know that's just how Civ works sometimes, right? Sometimes, yeah. Especially whenever you're playing a very map-dependent civilization like the Incas. I was just having bad luck with them, and yeah, really good uh, placement for their unique building was either taken up by natural resources that were duplicates and really nobody was able to trade because nobody really had resources. I just had a bad bat. Or, you know, I was planning on going to war potentially, you know, which you know, negates the whole trading thing in general. So I ended up uh, starting up SteamWorld Dig 2. I was looking for a Metroidvania. I was about to pull the trigger on a different one. Then I got a review key for SteamWorld Dig 2. It's like... Yeah, I'll try it out and uh, did my test recordings and actually really enjoyed it. And um, I have one episode out right now. By the time this releases, we'll have two and have a couple more already in the can and uh, just need to be rendered down and made watchable. Which by made watchable, I'm not sure if there's enough editing in the world for that, but eh, well, I'll try. Or I'll just uh, leave it uncut and you know have all my stupid uh, chattering away and. Uh, RimWorld is still ongoing, uh, as uh, per usual. That's actually the first uh, Let's Play series I work on whenever I'm working on them. It's my highest priority for them. Uh, we have actually a major battle uh, over the next couple episodes, so, or the last couple episodes, depending on when you're listening to this, which, yeah. So, major battles coming up, a lot of uh, stupidity, and I get bummed. <laughs> Which, uh, that makes a lot more sense in context, by the way. Well, it sounds sexy. Uh, it's not. But then again, you haven't shown up yet. But, hey, uh, as long as you're not a nudist, you'll be fine. Uh, and, of course, the vanity's still ongoing. Sunday Sampler, depending on what I get, we'll have to see what that does, because it's been a kind of a slow week this week, but I have backlog. So I should be able to produce something. I hope. Uh... And that is about it. You can find all of that over on Game with Caffeine Rage. Or if you wish to see me tweet about my surprise Kinder Egg and actually getting Ashens to respond, which was humorous. Nice. Because he does a lot of blonde bag and Kinder stuff. And occasionally uh, uh, the grocery store, well, every week the grocery store near me gives uh, has a freebie that they give out. And this last week was Kinder Eggs, the, essentially the U.S. version of Kinder, uh, oh, sorry, Kinder Joys, which is the uh, U.S. version of Kinder Eggs, only completely different. It's the same basic idea, you know, egg-shaped thing. Uh, uh, but right. uh, to get past U.S. law, which, do you know the reason why Kinder Eggs are illegal? Uh, is it because they have toys yeah. inside and it's a choking hazard or something yeah, like that? it's uh, illegal to have... A, a non-food item and a food. Which actually gets in uh, trouble with Mardi Gras because of King uh, uh, Cakes. Yep, those have a little baby Jesus inside. Yeah, just don't choke on your Jesus. But uh, they get around it by having essentially a like a chocolate 
pudding or chocolate spread and one half of a plastic egg and then the other half the toy. And they uh, kind of cheat and they use the or the packaging as the toy. So I got a boat and I tweeted it out and Ashen so responded. <laughs> nice. So there's my five minutes of fame. Uh, but if you were to see me tweet about uh, you know, random shit I get or you know, me just talking nonsense in general, you can find me over at Gaming with CR on the Twitters. And, well, since I uh, got distracted at the end of the community corner, it's probably a good idea to give that the email address, isn't it? Uh, VGLpodcast at yeah, gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or questions. Or you can just tweet us, VGLpodcast, on the Twitter. You can also help pay for this absolute madness, patreon.com slash VGLpodcast, which has helped pay for our Podbeam account. Podbean, uh, com, which hosts our RSS feed if you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch, or you just find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever Jared has shoved us that isn't up his butt. <laughs> and we are now off Twitch. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod and Doobly Doo are our Discovery Cues music by the same artist. You can find his work at acomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. You know, we usually have some sort of ending spiel now, but I'm kind of blank on what to do. Doobly-doo? Bye-bye. <laughs>